<laughs> Hello, friends. My name is Steve, and we're here today for the Page Doing Friday Conversation, and we have a couple of guests today, but we'll first start out with, off with my wonderful co-host, Mr. P.L. Stewart. P.L., will you kick us off with introductions, please, sir? Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, P.L. Stewart, author of the John Kingdom Saga, um, A John Kingdom and the Last of the Atlanteans Out Now, and Lord and King coming out soon. Cover just got released recently, so go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Usually you can find me lurking beside uh, Steve and Taylor on uh, things like page two. I'm very excited to uh, hear from our esteemed guests uh, about horror tonight, like to talk a little bit of horror because I do like horror. I don't read as much as uh, as I have in the past when I was younger, but, um, you know, Steve has kind of convinced me to to really get back into the genre. So, and I'm hoping to down the road, of course, read, read some stuff from our guests. So, yeah, just happy to be here. Friday night conversation. What a great way to start the weekend, right? So. Awesome. And Chad? Oh, you're going to make me introduce myself? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Chad Lutzke, and I wrote that novella that made you cry. Whatever one yeah. that might be. There's That's there's true. several. Uh, yeah, I, I foster homes and flies during the sheets. Um, I write crime, coming of age, humorous stuff. Cannibals. Um, can't yeah, splatterpunk, um, tragic drama, all that, all that, all this stuff that makes you feel really good, just you know, like feel good hit of the year type of stuff. Very uplifting, very uplifting, yeah. always. Uh, Laurel, talk, speaking of uplifting, I was gonna say, I mean, you know, uh, my stuff is clearly very cheerful. Um, you can choose from depressing or somewhat more depressing. Um, but uh, my name is Laurel Hightower. I am a horror writer. Um, I've got a couple novellas out and one full-length novel, and my first collection is coming out fairly soon um, called Every Woman Knows This, and it's so bitchy. It's so much fun. <laughs> I, lo I love that title. Thank you. Thanks. That was uh, came from the, the titular story in there. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a fun one. Very cool. Oh, I gotta read this now. I gotta find out what every woman knows. That's what I have. To do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret. Is it a? It's probably a secret. So. Yeah, it's not really a secret. It's you know, like probably when you you'll go, oh right, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure someone told me that at some point. That's the 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 that's the story you re you read at StokerCon, right? Or at mm -hmm. uh, the Spirit mm -hmm. of Giving. Spirit of Giving, yes, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Terrifying, absolutely terrifying to go first. In front of room with 300 people, most of whom I did not know. <laughs> well, I've, I think uh, everyone there was really friendly, and I mean, oh, it was like a, a really great vibe there. I mean, really, everyone was really was awesome. um, open and welcoming, and it was just a fun time. It really was. Yeah, it, it was. That, yeah, I mean, I just I am so bad with public speaking. I get so terrified. Doesn't matter how often I do it. Um, so yeah, I just kind of like went up and like did it real fast, and then ran off the stage and. To, in like this, you know, moment of regret that I'll always remember, like I couldn't see very well because the way the lighting was. And I just ran right past Stephen Graham Jones as he's congratulating me. And I didn't realize till later. And then I'm like, no, because that would have been like one of the coolest career moments. And I just kept running. So there's that. Mm. Oh. Is, is that a, like, is that a horror event spirit of giving that you taught? Sorry, I, I forgive me. I'm not... um, so what it, <clears throat> what it was, was, uh, James Sabata's brainchild, I really just, um, we're both uh, billed on there as the organizers and everything, but I really just listened to um, 
him when he was mad about things uh, because it was really hard to put together. I contributed very little, but um, but I got to go. And it was a charitable um, event that we did prior to StokerCon in 2022. Uh, it was at the Stanley. Um, and it, it was a lot of fun. We had a No Sleep do a live production. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they do like the, the um, adapted audio versions of like short stories and stuff like that. Uh, and had several authors reading and, and people coming in and buying books. And it was, it was just, it was an absolute blast. It was, it was really fun. It was to benefit the um, Glen Haven volunteer fire department. Uh, they're the ones who saved the Stanley from the uh, California wildfires. And I think 2020. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. Great event. Yeah. Uh, wanted to talk about, talk with both you and all, all of you about, horror and where you where you feel like it's been and where you feel like it's going or where you feel like we are now do you have any any thoughts on horror and kind of um where would you like to see it go or where do you think it might go next chad you've been you you've you've been doing this a lot longer than me i feel like i'm like well in my four years of experience on this it doesn't go very far oh well well, let's let's nail one of these one of those you said a lot yeah (laughs) it's pretty loaded yeah sorry (laughs) Let's go with uh, where we've where we've been, because I always think it's interesting the the different you know I think in the eighties we had lots of slashers, we had the crime waves in the eighties and, and we've kind of went to the nineties and we went away from that a little bit, um, and so I think how culture goes mirrors how where, where horror goes to the kind of things that we found scary at the time, is mirrored in where we are in society. So, kind of, um, what are your thoughts on that on on the ebbs and flows of the different genres and the what's popular and what's not. Are you talking about literature or just uh, uh, any medium like uh, movies? Yeah. Any, anything, any, anything horror related. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I was on a panel recently and we were talking about uh, horror and um I mentioned something about it being um, it kind of popping up during uh, bad times and becoming more powerful. And uh, I think, I think as far as like, I think that we've all felt some kind of resurgence. Sometimes that resurgence feels like it's there and it's not, it's just that you're now a part of it. And so Mm -hmm. it feels bigger, you know, because your finger hasn't been on the pulse and now it is. And it just, but I think that, um, but I think that it legitimately is has gotten bigger. I mean, uh, if you look at the movies, um, um, that's proof right there because you know, for there was a lull for a long time, um, which is strange because the movies are so packed with remakes and uh, reimaginings and sequels and the comic book films and Star Wars and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So it's weird that something is low on the you know, latter as uh, horror would be uh, popular um, or ge- or getting more popular. But I think that might have something to do with just the times that we, you know, the uh, uh, the times that we're living in. Um, and that seems to happen, you know, in the, in the 50s, we had uh, the atomic scare. So they had all these creature features and giant mutant, mutant stuff. Um, uh, and that happens with music, too. You know, the Vietnam War brought forth like bands like Black Sabbath who stopped singing, you know, like the pioneers of this kind of stuff stopped mm-hmm. singing about free love and 
stuff and starts thinking about the fear of war and the fear of the devil and um, uh, the fear of being a slave to drugs and stuff like that. And so the last four years, I mean, pick, pick a demon that we've been fighting, you know, whether it be COVID or um, social media or uh, presidential candidates or the far right or the far left. And uh, it's a scary time. You know, I, I, I know that I feel um, grateful that I grew up in the 70s and 80s. So I didn't have to deal with all this bullshit that my kids have to. Hmm. And uh, but I think that uh, I, I should I should uh, reel it in because I could I could go off on a tangent here that has nothing to do with horror. <laughs> but I think that um, I think that 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 is uh, this horror resurgence is secondary to that. I think it's a response. Um, it's probably healthy um, and I like to see it. But uh, yeah, um, I, I think that, but some of the problem too is I think that some of the horror is becoming a little bit, some of it's really creative and now we're calling it elevated horror, um, which I don't mind the term. To me, it just means, you know, original or uh, something more cerebral, something that is not spoon fed to you or not drawn out for you. Um, and the horror in the seventies was, a lot like that. Like it was all elevated. And I noticed that a lot of horror nowadays, both in books, but mostly in movies is very, um, a lot of it feels like there's an agenda behind it first. And some of this stuff, rather than being subtle and and being like a Mm -hmm. cool commentary on something that we're all going through. Now it's just in your face. So it's got, it's like, some of it feels like, well, I've got this agenda. I've got this belief that I have in something. I need to voice that. Let's write a horror movie, and then we'll wrap this around it. Um, I don't. I don't mind. Um, I love commentary and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to see it, it a little more uh, subtle. Uh, you know, done with intelligence rather than just feeling feeling like. Um... So I think that some of the horror is just a is just that. You know, like there are some movies that do it really well. I saw, I just saw a movie the other day called, um, what was that called? Uh, Sick or whatever. Mm, it was kind of re- yeah. in, in response to COVID. And while I didn't like the movie all that great, I thought it was still kind of creative. And it, that was a movie that couldn't be subtle, but it also didn't feel preachy either. Um, so that was kind of neat. But uh, yeah, I, I just think that um, I, I'm, I'm thankful that we're getting more horror, but at the same time, I see a lot of just stuff being rehashed. Hmm. And um, I'd like to see more original stuff. And thank God we have uh, companies like A24 putting out stuff that is just, I mean, they are not a hit or miss. They are just like Blumhouse for me is just like, they are just going down and down and down and down every time I see one of their newer movies. A24, man, it's all hit for me. And, and the other stuff too, like Florida Project, not just their horror movies. I love all their stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm rambling, so go ahead, Laurel. No, as well, and that's, I feel like that's that's part of why I wanted you to go first on it too, is because I feel like you, this is something that, I, you know, I watch you do it on 
final guys and everything, um, you process this stuff, you know, and you sort of have this like comparison method to it. So um, I appreciate that because yeah, some of this, I've missed huge swaths of uh, popular culture just by virtue of, you know, not, not having the ability for a while to, to, to consume uh, like certain media. And, you know, of course, like having a kid now, I, I get to watch like one hour of what I want to a week. Um, so I'm generally behind on it, but I do think one of the things that I feel like is very cool, um, is the accessibility we have to, um, foreign horror, um, to watching yeah. stuff that, you know, like some of the most amazing movies that I have watched have scared the hell out of me have mm -hmm. been, uh, foreign language movies and having that accessibility and not just like walking into a blockbuster and rummaging through like, you know, eight foreign language yeah. selections, you know, um, that you're not sure about, you can just go play one on Shutter or Netflix or whatever. And it's just like jaw dropping. Like my, my, the most, the most terrifying movie I've watched in several years that I recommend to everyone is terrified, Yes, which I think is, is that Chilean or Argentinian? Uh, Argentinian. Argentinian. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, and part of, you know, part of what that's about it's not just that we have this huge range now of other folks that we weren't hearing their stories. It's that culturally, the things that scare people are different. So mm -hmm. we get these ghost stories. We get these legends that are just, we haven't had access to before, or they've been done very poorly and sort of watered down. And we're not seeing, you know, we, we haven't previously gotten to see the full impact of them. Um, and in addition to which, like, you know, things like, um, learning, I, I keep saying, you know, the last few years, the, the more I learn, the more I read, I'm like, you know, that we know each other best through our stories. And, and with horror, we know each other very well by what scares us, you know, um, after I became a parent, uh, my, you know, the things that scared me shifted significantly, oh, yeah. um, you know, yeah. and so going back and watching some things that I maybe didn't appreciate as much when I was younger, now I'm just like, oh, my God, you know, like that kind of thing. So I think that there's this amazing accessibility um, to people being able to tell their stories that, that, uh, and, and for us being able to access them in ways, because, you know, not, not just, not just things that, that are only available now, like, you know, via the sort of global network, but things like, you know, stuff that went out of print, um, some of the cool stuff from like the eighties and nineties um, that maybe I even had like some, you know, beat up old paperback uh, that I used to read and then it went out of print. And now there's a, there's a greater ability to go back and locate those sorts of things and I don't know whether I'm, I'm not somebody who's really good at analyzing, you know, the uh, all of the the whole like streamlined uh, history of it the way that Chad does. Um, I'm, I'm much more like hit or miss, just sort of you know, like seeing it as it comes up. Um, but I, I don't know. Like I, I, it feels like it feels like a resurgence that, in some ways, we're driving ourselves, which I appreciate because. Hmm. I feel that there have always been more fans of horror than were ever recognized or acknowledged. Um, and sometimes even within, you know, part of it too is the seeing the different things that horror can do. Um, because a lot of folks who don't like horror in, you know, this sort of rigid box uh, definition that they've always gotten of it might watch something else that just blows their mind and becomes their new favorite thing. And I don't know, I, th I think a lot of it just has to do with that accessibility. Yeah, Ch Chad, you mentioned A twenty four. What is it about A twenty four that what what is it that they do differently that is um, is different and is a constant hit for you? Um, well, I've always been a huge fan of indie movies, 
And so they just feel like really, really well done indie films. Um, and I, I think it's because, well, first of all, they take, um, they're always using original concepts or making films out of like, uh, I don't know if any of you have seen the Florida project, but it's one of my favorite movies from them. And it's just a, it's very intimate, like setting the people who are acting are some of the best I've ever seen, but they're not even actors. This was their first mm. movie. Um, they're just people. And I, I, I think that, uh, um, I saw a movie recently called uh, a foreign film, and I'm so glad that you brought that up. That's such a good point, Laurel. Mm-hmm. Um, foreign films. Um, I saw a foreign movie called The Innocents recently. Have you guys seen that on Shutter? No. I, I don't think so. Well, it was my number one movie last year, and I think it was. I can't remember what country, but um, it the premise of the movie had I read it, which I'd never read uh, any synopses or, 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 or premise or anything like that. Um, I like to go in completely blind and had I read it, I may have not watched it because um, I, I just felt like, um, I don't know. I would, I would have had these expectations that, Oh, they're going to do this and this with it and everything. But um, so if I were to tell you what the movie was about, you might get turned off too because you'd be like, well, I've seen this kind of thing before. This has just been done to death and everything, but it wasn't, it was so original. And all I could think about through the whole thing is if the U S had, if Hollywood had its pause on this, it would have been totally different. You'd have had these big action scenes, this real dramatic stuff, music explosions, all this crazy crap. I'm so tired of that because it's so formulaic. And um, I hate that stuff. Mm -hmm. And Hollywood also, I I hate being spoon fed. And Hollywood has has a tendency to do that. A24 doesn't do any of that stuff. And um, I'm just, I can't pinpoint exactly. I mean, they're they're not the only place that does that, but I can tell who's ever, you know, uh, making the decisions like, yes, we're going to take that movie. Yes, we're going to take that movie. Um, we're from the same cloth, you know, I get, I can just tell because I mean, I haven't seen all of their movies, but all of the ones that I, I think the weakest one I've seen is the witch or yeah, witch. And, mm-hmm. and, and I still liked it. Um, yeah, I'm a huge fan. And Laurel, when you were talking about foreign films, um, and culture, and that's, that's what I often preach too, is, is that, um, I think that I noticed that when uh, um, the Japanese did, uh, when we remade The Grudge and we remade The Ring, it was so original to us. But that's some old hat for them. That ghost that I can't remember how to pronounce it with the chick with the long black hair and all that stuff. That's just like a um, for them. That's like the 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 guy with the sheet over his head. And, the um, you know, it's just something that that they take for granted and they're used to, we haven't seen that before. So when we see, you know, this chick climbing the well and out of the TV and all this stuff in the grudge, it's like, Oh man, what the freak is this? This is creepy. <laughs> so yeah, we're, cause we're not used to these cultures. So all of this stuff feels so unique to us. And, uh, but foreign films are just, they're so well done anyway. You know, they're just, uh, I don't know that I've ever seen a horror or a foreign film that I just really didn't like. And maybe it's because I'm 
so anti Hollywood because they've ruined crap that um, in, in, and they don't, they don't do that. They're better at telling a story uh, than Hollywood is. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I know for me, and I'm, I'm certainly not nearly as literate as well read as you three in horror. Um, you know, you're, you're more subject matter experts than I am, but I, I notice in fantasy because that's what I predominantly read. Um, there is a real push. Um, there's a lot of genre blurring in, in fantasy, a lot of subgenres, but I've noticed that fantasy horror, horror fantasy, however you'd like to categorize that, that's really become really big. Um, a bunch of friends of the channel, uh, such as um, Holly Tinsley, to me, um, Holly Tinsley and um, Hello the Crazy, Neil Akhtar, a bunch of great writers. They're putting together an anthology right now called The Anthology of Fear. Sounds like it's going to be fantastic. It's fantasy horror, you know. Uh, you know that there, I've seen a lot more. Um, you know, especially in the milieu of things like I'm going to go back to Zemel Actor again, another another great writer. He writes the whole cosmic horror, the, the more Lovecraft and stuff, and that's really made a resurgence. I think in, in fantasy, that's really getting big. And um, you know, and, and I don't know if it it matters uh, how you blur your or mix your fantasy with your horror, whether it's, you know, it doesn't matter what, what kind um, it is, whether it's like atmospheric gothics, you know, like Holly Kinsey writes, you know, We Men of Ash and Shadow, and it, it's not horror, but it's got that horror feeling, or, you know, more the eerie folk horror, the, the, the gruesome thrillers and the noirs, you know, a lot of vampire stuff, vampire murder mystery horror, and, you know, or, or just, just metafiction. Like, I just think that, you know, horror is being extracted, and I'm talking fantasy, because that's what I, I I read more, but name your genre. I think horror is being extracted and, and, and mixed and mingled with other genres more and more because people are fascinated by, you know, that element of, you know, what scares us. And, and it's, it's that psychological, I think, satisfaction that, that people are getting out of reading that stuff. So I, I, I feel like more and more um, other genres are, you know, bleeding off, you know, more horror into their into their books that would otherwise be okay. This is a straight up thriller, this is a straight up fantasy book, and now they're incorporating more horror elements. If at least that's what I've been seeing uh, on the fantasy side of literature. So, as a blogger specifically, I'm interested to know, um, with respect to where you said you're sort of delving into horror now um, more. When what kind of similarities have you noticed, or or like how blurred is the line between what we market and refer to as straight up horror and like dark fantasy and the sort of things mm -hmm. you might've already been, you know, reading and consuming, like, have you noticed that much of a difference or? Yeah. And it's Steve, Steve, again, Steve's more the expert because he, he reads a lot of both, um, you know, but for me, uh, when I read dark fantasy, and I mean the really darker variety, the Michael R. Fletcher's, the Anna Sparks, the, you know, the Zemiel Akhtar's, you know, I'm seeing there is a distinct, you know, I mean, I read indie fantasy horror, a great, got a great book back there, uh, 22 Dutch Road by, by Tim Schuler, great, great, great horror, really horror, creepy book. Uh, B.A. Bellick, he, he's also on that horror uh, anthology of fear. He had pulse, really like science fiction horror, really like, like gruesome, but you know, on the edge of seat, like kind of like slasher thriller stuff. But um, I feel like, you know, a lot of authors now, um, it, and especially in the, in the fantasy, we're looking, every 
type of genre goes through trends, right? Um, I think Grimdark um, was certainly all the rage at some point in fantasy, and I think a lot of it borderline on horror. I think a lot of it was very, you know, uh, Steve. I, I'm not sure how you feel, but was what it it it, it really straddled that line mm-hmm. of of horror, um, you know, and I think that that is that trend is coming back. I know we're kind of into the cozy fantasy, um, you know trend right now and that's really popular and it's great and it's palate cleansing and I know a lot of people were were rushing to that because Chad was talking about kind of in response to some of the bleakness of what's going on today but um at the same time horror as well as Chad said is really fantasy horror especially is really um it's become really prevalent I I find And, and I don't know if I don't know if Steve if you found that authors that didn't incorporate horror before their books have started to to write it like I, that's what I'm seeing. That it's it's really you know it's, it's becoming a almost like a critical element, right? Especially in grimdark, right? Like, like grimdark, a lot of grimdark books to me are more more reading like horror books. Like I don't know if you if either of you read a chatter or, or read heard of Michael Fletcher Beyond Redemption, or you know Anna Spark her her um you know her her Empires of Dust series. Like you feel the creepiness and the total like it's it. Steve, I'm not articulating myself very well but do you know the vibe i'm talking about like yeah i think a lot of, i think there's a lot of genre blending going on just in general i think there's there's romance being in, being uh, you know integrated into all different genres and there's lots it's almost hard to to describe a lot of books that are being written now it's because there's so much blending going on. it's a good and it's a good thing it's just i wonder how it's how it, what it is for for you authors that it's is it getting harder to de- define what you're writing or what you're creating is it is it harder to find that audience for it if there's so much blending going on? Chad writes like everything though. Like he, like he seriously, between like Neon Owl, you know, and like uh Same Deep Waters You and then a Pale White, like, you know, and the, and then the Cannibal, it's like so I don't know. Like I I'm interested to know are you are you even paying much attention to that? Are you just writing what you know, what just what comes next? Uh, I pay attention to the fact that I've cursed myself because I can't, I can't, I, I, it's weird because what I set out to do has kind of come back and bit me. I wanted to be Joe Lansdale. I wanted to write what I wanted Mm. to write, whatever I Mm. felt like, just like when we're listening to music or watching a movie, it's like, if you love horror, you're not always going to just watch horror movies all the time. You're going to want to watch the office or, you know. Uh, family guy or whatever the romantic comedy or whatever and i i think that if you it's same with music and when i write music i write in different genres when i write books and read books i, w- I want to do different genres i get i guess i get bored and um so uh and that's just me but i found in i i wanted to be joe lansdale where i had my when i where i basically was my own genre and that the readership would follow me and I do have a readership that follows, but I, every author wants to get a bigger and bigger readership. And I think that at this point, it confuses me or it confuses people. I have early readership people that have read like, you know, when I did Foster Homes and Flies, coming of age, cool. I got my coming of age thing done. Um, and then I was like, wallflower. Okay, okay, I guess maybe one more coming of age. And then Skullface Boy, oops, you know, and then Pale White. Oh, okay. And then, you know, so it's like, so now I get reviews that uh, I just got a review yesterday that said, well, this isn't coming of age, but I still liked it. 
It's like, well, <laughs> you're you the know? coming of age guy. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's okay. But, and then, and also too, I get a lot of reviews for, um, uh, if I put something out, people will say, uh, don't worry. This still has the, the, um, this still has the part, you know, the heartfelt emotional part that will make you cry or, this isn't as sad as this st normally stuff is normally. And it's like, why can't I just, you know, uh, write just what, you know, doesn't all have to be happy or doesn't all have to be sad. Um, and I think that people think that I'm just this depressed, you know, because a lot of it is depressing, at least the subject matter. Some endings have hope, some have none at all. And so I think because I've, dipped my toe in, in all of those, it has made it a little bit harder. I see some people who are just like, he's the splatterpunk dude. He's the, mm -hmm. you know, extreme uh, dude. She's the, uh, you know, the crime writer. And, and it's like, kind of know more about what you're getting. I mean, mm -hmm. as far as, well, no matter what genre mm -hmm. I write, if you read it, I feel like people can be like, oh, that's totally Lutsky. I can tell by the prose. Uh, and I'm comfortable with that. But yeah, I think people get uh, confused. Like Cannibal Creator came out. It's like, well, what is this, man? And then the, I just put a short story collection out that covers everything. Like if you, you know, there's a story in there. <laughs> yeah, there's a story in there that's absolutely disgusting. And that if I see a family member or find out they're reading it, I'm like, please don't read that story. And then it's like, you know, and then there's a, a a story that's just funny about uh, a boy's first kiss. And then there's, um, you know, and then there's like kind of horrifying stories and stuff. And so that is the, the spinal remains is what I'm talking about. That's like the perfect example of everything that I just like to, you know, it's like a potpourri of this is just me and whatever I was in the mood for at the time. Hmm. And um, so I don't know that I, at first I was proud and I liked that. And then part of me, now is like I, I don't know what to do it's hard to i just put the crime thing out three smile mile and it's like mm -hmm. i want to find the crime audience because everybody lumps me in with the horror which is my first love and i don't mind that but uh you know li lives on a radio show last night that introduced me as horror author chad lutsky and i don't really if if from day one i never marketed my books as horror maybe people wouldn't say that because they're arguably not, you know, um, they're horror adjacent or, or horror horrific elements with the exception of some stuff. But I think the majority could be uh, counted as literary or something, but because horror was all I knew and horror people were all I knew. And that was my biggest attraction. It's just what I went for and thought, this is my idea of, or, you know, this, hmm sadness and this grief and this real life situation and then sometimes people eat each other so <laughs> yeah i'm telling you man side. sorry <laughs> no i'm just saying like i hats off to people write horror because i honestly feel like and i've i have a horror book a fancy horror book that's kind of where short stories kind of been sitting there and mulling over for for a long time and i haven't haven't broached it yet but i feel like horror and maybe it's me because i'm just not as talented and i'm not one of those authors i feel can i can write a lot of different genres but i feel like horror like is really hard to write and anytime i've tried to introduce a horror element to my books like 
you know, whether it's a, there's a character in my book that's also really scary. He's like a big, he or she is a big bad, right? And and it it's like writing scenes to make that character appropriately scary and terrifying. And you don't see this character and, you know, you don't know what they're going to do next. It's, it's hard, um, you know, and I, I find that that's probably of all the things I write, whether it's battle scenes or love scenes or what have you, it, it's, the, it's to make people scared or terrified of something to me that's the hardest part of 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 what I, of, of any writing i've ever done so hats off to you, to you who write horror and write it effectively because and i've read lots of amazing horror books where i'm like oh my god i just got the chills that little tingling on the back of your neck but i think it's hard right i, I think it's a, it's a hard genre to write it's hard to get that punch to make people go ooh, like you know i i think it's hard i think it's Do you like oh sorry I was just going to say that I think it's hard if you're writing something that doesn't scare you and you're just like, okay, clowns frighten everybody. I'm going to write a scary clown. Clowns don't do a thing for me. I think they're silly and they're the last thing on this planet that scares me. But if I were to create, you know, try to write something that doesn't scare me, it's going to show. And so I think that that in that in that sense, I think it would be hard to to write that. And I, I was kind of curious too whether so, you know, where you've sort of recently broached this and started reading more horror. Do you like being scared? And and if you do, in what circumstances? Like like my husband cannot stand watching most horror movies. They they bother him. Like it's it's a much more uh, uncomfortable and pleasant sensation for him. That you know, and and where I, whereas I just I love that scare. So I was curious whether that is something that you that you do enjoy. Yeah, always have. And when I was younger, I read a lot of Stephen King, a lot, like, you know, probably almost anything written at the time. And I'm old, so, you know, like all the original stuff, right, from Carrie on up. And um, I love that feeling of being creeped out. And it's not about, I mean, the gruesomeness is just, to me, it's just kind of like an icing on the cake. You know, the gruesomeness, the, the you know, okay, someone's beheaded or disemboweled or whatever, like that's that's more just, the, okay, that's that's the effect that, that makes you, feel that visceral oh you know oh my god after but it's it's the it's a psychological it's like i don't know what's around the corner and 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 who's coming next and you know where is so and so and you know i heard so and so disappeared we don't know whether it's that element yeah. and and that's the it's that that's what i love about i love about being scared right and and that's what that's what i get out of horror and that's if i was to successfully write horror that's what i'm looking for i'm looking for that suspense that feeling of, you know, I'm about to be surprised by whatever, and just the anticipation and the fear that I'm going to be surprised by whatever, and I don't know what that is, is just, you know, it's just, it, that's the compelling stuff for me, right? So. Well, then I think that you're on the right track. And I, what I noticed is was, I feel like the biggest impediment to writing horror effectively is, and I, I don't mean this to sound at all, um, like looking down on anybody with it. But I notice that sometimes like people who who don't really like horror or, or maybe like just don't really enjoy that feeling when they attempt to add that element, they do trip up on it because that's not something that they're immersed in. They, they kind of want to like give that effect. But, you know, if it's something that you love and you, you know, for me, like one of the things that's really effective is like, I'll watch, you know, I, I love watching horror movies. And if I'm watching something, um, something uh so like for example i watched ghosts of war maybe last year whenever i don't know if you guys have seen that um but uh it's 
there's there's a scene in which and it's like set in like uh, i think world war ii and and they're at this like big chateau and there is this sound that that will start in the middle of this huge like chateau and it's this really like deep totally unidentifiable like you're listening you're like what the fuck could that be that's not i can't and the dread that was building with that so like i have you know my little notebooks that i keep for like making notes and i'm just like you know, it's not that I want to write like that scene because that's already been done, but I'm like, what is the part of this that's getting to me? What is it about this scene? What's the sound? What's the, you know, what, what feeling is it evoking in me? And I feel like those are like, sometimes when I'm stuck a little bit on, you know, how to make this X, Y, Z scary, like I love to go watch something that scares the hell out of me and, and really kind of analyze why. Um, it's, I don't know. I, it took me a long time to start doing that with movies because I, uh, like, again, I'm like the opposite of Chadwick's and like, I just never analyzed anything. And I, I, the ambiguity really messed me up. I actually did one at spoon fed. I was like, I don't know. I need a specific answer. I, I don't know what's gone. I don't know what you mean by this ending, you know? And it took me a long time to be like, Oh no, there's a lot of power in that. You know, there's, there's a lot of coolness in that. And trying to kind of sit back and watch how people do it effectively and and why that ends up scaring me and why actually discomfort is kind of can be a very good thing in horror um just you know just kind of my relatively recent experience i guess and i just want to mention really quickly i, I can't see the comments on Streamyard, so I'll, but i'll read them off on youtube i can't display them but uh helena had a question uh do you have any tips for consuming horror for the faint of heart I love horror and get so immersed when reading, but I often find it hard to sleep probably for days after. Any tips are much appreciated. Um, well, it can, I know that it can be a little bit of a controversial subject and I don't, I, I'm more of the, I'm more of the, uh, I think people who want to use trigger or content warnings should, and I don't think anyone should ever be required to. Um, that's kind of my stance on it. But if there are certain things that you know that trigger you that like are, you know, maybe, maybe really affect your imagination. Like what, if you notice that when you go to sleep after that, like you're, that's what's running through your head and it's making it hard to sleep. Just, you know, maybe look for those and look for books that, uh, that maybe give those warnings or just go check the reviews. Cause a lot of times, even if an author doesn't necessarily list them, a reviewer might and say, Oh, you know, watch out if you don't like X, Y, Z. Um, and other than that, um, Oh, there's a lot of things I won't read directly before bed and and not always because it's like, oh, I'm going to then have a nightmare, but because it is, it's got my mind running, you know? So a lot of times, like, it's more, I will read horror, like in the middle of the day or, you know, like mm. seven or eight o'clock at night, something like that. It could be as easy as timing. Um, and also, you know, just, just look for recommendations as far as like the things that like, what do you really enjoy that when you get done, like it's more the like you just got off a roller coaster and you feel really alive and you feel really, you know, or, or like you feel it's, you know, like the, the, the watching the scary movie in the dark with a storm going on, like what feeling are you looking for that you enjoy and then doesn't cause that and just, you know, look for recommendations, Heck, send me a message or whatever. I, I, I love to give recommendations. So could just be a matter of like, particularly what you're consuming or when. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, definitely be looking at you folks for Rex. I, I know that, you know, horror for me, um, especially now that I'm older, and it's it's interesting point you brought up, you brought up Laurel about, you know, now that you're your mother, the things that that you before didn't scare you. 
now, you know, terrify you, right? Specifically probably related to your kids and something happened to your kids or whatever, because you have that, you have that vulnerability that you never had before, because now you have this extension of yourself that you have to worry about their safety and how they're doing and, and them emotionally and all this, right? So and I think for me, horror for me is all about my vulnerabilities and all about, you know, what I, the things that I don't tell everybody about that scares me, but scare the hell out of me. And, um, you know, and, and then somebody writes that thing and it's like, oh my God, right? And, and, and you, you don't want to read it, but you read it because you're compelled to read it because this is personal now, right? And, and um, I think, you know, one thing that I, I feel about uh, horror and fantasy horror specifically is that because fantasy is already made up as it is, I mean, fiction is made up as it is, period, but fantasy specifically is, 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 is sometimes so out there in a lot of ways that, that even though it's supposed to be a reflection of, of our realities to some degree, um, it allows you to kind of like, okay, this really isn't real. But uh, with good horror books, especially ones that are set in, you know, today, um, you know, it, 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 you can fool yourself to thinking that this is real. Right. And, and that's what I love about reading, you know, the Dean Coots and the Stephen Kings is that, you know, they write, it, it feels like, you know, a lot of their books, you feel like you're reading some slice of life thing and then suddenly, you know, oh my God. Right. And, and that's, that's, that's what I, that's the kind of horror that really appeals to me. So. I like that. Oh, and that, yeah. <laughs> it just reminded me seeing the comment up there about the being pigeonholed Chad, like I was going to tell you, like, don't worry about how you marketed yourself. I read a review the other day of one of my books. I can't remember which one where they said, well, I was hesitant to pick this up because I really hate vampires and I associate her with writing vampires, but I picked it up. I'm glad I did. I'm like, I've never even written a vampire short story. So I don't know <laughs> who that was meant to be, but in any case, might not even matter how you market yourself. <laughs> might be what people fill in the blanks with. I don't know. Yeah. It's the hardest thing. I think, um, you know, really, and I, and I, I don't know how, how you two feel as writers that, um, you know, it's people like we're all indicated, like it's readers that decide who and what you are, who and what you write, what your books are all about. You, you write these books and yes, you have ownership for them, but then they're on the wild and it's the readers that decide they'll see something that you, you didn't intend to write that way. Your attention was not for them to interpret that way, but they did because they bring their own unique perspectives and all that. And I think it's the same thing with, you know, talk about being pigeonholed, like, yeah, I mean, if you write enough of essentially one genre, what people believe are one genre, whether you believe that or not, they're going to say, okay, PL is a fantasy, is an epic eye fantasy writer. And if, and if I write enough books, even if I turn slightly to horror or murder mysteries or whatever, people may still, you know, see me as, as a fantasy writer. And that's, unfortunately, that's, it's not up to me to, to decide that or to change people's minds. That's, that's up to, you know, the readership, right? So that's, that's, that's a weird, um, you know, thing that you almost feel like you've lost control of, you know, of, of maybe your own identity there. But yeah, that, you know, once, once people have decided something, but then that impression gets, you know, gets translated through enough people, then, you know, um, so then it, then I guess you almost have to, uh, to counterman that you almost have to start writing more and more of another genre to, to reverse that perception that you are X writer. Which is really weird that you should have to do that, but yeah, it's it's crazy. I really one of the things that um, I got to interview Stephen Graham Jones a couple of years ago, mm. and it was 
just a really great experience. He always has such cool things to say. And one of the things that I really loved um, that he said, and um, I've really kind of like taken it to heart some is he, he talked about how like whatever he gets done writing, then he wants to do a total 180 and do something completely different. Like he defies being pigeonholed. Now, obviously we associate him at least I do very primarily with horror, but he's written some crime. He's written some humor. He's written, you know, just like, and, and he takes so many different tacks. And I really liked that because after I released my first book, which was very like supernatural or like kind of like a paranormal suspense, like paranormal police procedural type thing. And I enjoyed writing it and it was a lot of fun. And I liked the characters and I liked the ability to expand on their world and their relationships and everything. But then the next thing I did was totally different. It was Crossroads. And I was like, you know, part of me was like, how are the people who actually liked Whispers, are they going to be disappointed with this? Are, you know, is it not going to find its audience because of that? And that went okay, really. Um, there, I, I think there was some like back and forth of people who liked, you know, X didn't like Y and, and that, but that, you know, that's totally fine. But it also like what Steven said, it really just made me feel a lot more confident to be like, nah, I'm, I, I'm, if I get pigeonholed by readers, yeah, I don't have any control over that, but um, I want to write the thing that makes sense to me to write right now. Um, and that has so far been, you know, horror. Um, I really am so tempted to just sit down and write a bunch of like romance because I just, I love it. And <laughs> what keeps happening to me is that I will write romance into something and I'll get told like, it's kind of too romantic. I think you should mm. take it out and kill more people. I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay. I, uh, <laughs> um, no, you should write it in there. The, my problem is I, I always thought that I could write a really good uh, romance too, but um, the, the desire to have it end badly is just so strong. <laughs> uh, That's a good uh, romance. <laughs> It's yeah, a realistic romance. Exactly. Right. And so I just don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I, and that's probably because I try to base all my stuff on just realism. And though I'm a hopeful person and I'm, and I'm optimistic, a lot of the pessimism comes out in my, in my writing. Now, I was going to say something else that you just touched on Laurel and I can't remember. I can't remember what it was now, but shoot. Probably because I just kept talking. <laughs> it'll come. It'll come to you. It'll come to you. But but I just want to say quickly. I know how you feel. Like for example, it's funny that Laura mentioned romance. Like I love romance, and I have slowly started to incorporate more and more of it in my books. Even though fantasy, notoriously for the most part, fantasy readers hate romance. Or do they really? I shouldn't, say, I shouldn't say that. A lot of fantasy readers feel that this is the perception I've gotten just from talking to. Um, they feel that um, romance write, writers of fantasy don't necessarily write romance well. Um, they write more cringe, cringy stuff that that they don't want to read, and that um, you know if it's not well done, especially if it's not well done, they they really don't want it in their fantasy. Now, I always felt that romance and love and that like that's a part of life, and if if, if it's supposed to reflect life and be realistic, that sense of realism that that Chad was talking about, like it should be part of it. Like that's. That's a big part of life, right? But mm -hmm. uh, fantasy readers, a lot of them don't seem to 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 enjoy that stuff. But I have some do, some very much do, and there's very much a fantasy romance subgenre uh, that's very strong and a lot with a big following. But 
Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I feel like like most of what I've read in fantasy has had quite a bit of that like interwoven and, and in fact, a, a large element of it, you know, the wheel of time and the sort of truth. And um, I realize those are like, you know, kind of the big overarching ones, but that, like romance is kind of at their core. Um, you know, <laughs> you're laughing, Chad, I'm curious why. No, those books, I just can't even fathom tackling those books. I didn't. I, I own them all. You do? I don't think really? I'll ever read them. Is it the length, Chad? That is that what deters you? Like how big they are? Yeah, man, that's really intimidating. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I I think like I know with horror books. I mean, Stephen King writes massive yeah tomes, yeah. right? And some of them are are, you know, I mean, it's not just the book itself. It's it's this ongoing some of them are ongoing series and there's there's cross there's characters who cross into different series and you know i mean it's very it's very elaborate and you know but i think that horror there's room for horror to be just as immersive as fantasy if you want to talk about mm -hmm. world building all that stuff and and to like i i i I, I'm, I was a big fan of the hellraiser franchise right i love mm -hmm. me some pinhead right like that yeah. was you know, favorite Clive favorite horror icon in yeah, that that you know, I I love me some pain and like, you know, but but there's there's so much uh, there's 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 so much lore. If you dig into Clive Barker and, and the books and stuff like, there's so much behind, um, you know, what you saw on the films. Obviously, they couldn't they couldn't delve into a lot of it, but just yeah, like, but I love that stuff. I eat that stuff up. You know, I want to know, you know, why the the fifteenth level of hell who lives there, right? You know, what I mean? I'm one of those guys. I want to know that trivia, right? Like I. You know, and it's just it's just fascinating. And I think that horror can get just as immersive, you know, especially if it's a bigger franchise like a Stephen King, you know, if it's, you know, Dark Tower, you know, that sort of stuff. Like, but I like I'm hoping that we continue to see, to be honest with you, more and more horror big series and more and more like especially indie horror series. And again, I am not as as nearly as well, you know, fractured well read as you three in, in indie horror. I'm trying to start to get into indie horror now. And I, I, you know, I'm a series guy. I like, you know, these these series that go on for, you know, you know, a lot of books, right? Like the like the Dresden Falls kind of stuff. And yeah. and I'm I'm hoping to see some big indie horror um, series, like you know, not not trilogies or duologies, but you know, seven, eight, nine, ten book series that I can sink my teeth into. Because I'd be more inclined to start those than the one-off. To be honest with you, I, I like because I like that. So that's what I'm looking for. So if you guys have Rex. Of that stuff in the indie sphere, I'm all over it, man. Oh, yeah. No, I'll send you some. Yeah, there's some. But but it is, that's an interesting point that you bring up because, um, and Chad, I know a lot of what you write, possibly all of it, um, is pretty brief, right? Like, I mean, you you write, you tend to stick to novellas and, and even within the novellas, like a little bit of a shorter, you know, like the 15, 16, 17, the thousand word, those kinds of, you know, those kinds of ranges. I commonly wonder because so whispers in the dark was my first uh, book that came out it's the only novel i have in front of got a second one coming out in october of this year um but one of the complaints i regularly got on it was that it was just too long um it was like i think a, a little over a hundred thousand words and i don't now that could also be maybe that's the quality of the writing there may have just been parts that sagged because i didn't have the ability, you know, to, to hold that length and I needed more, whatever. Um, it could just be a me thing, but I, I wonder sometimes how much 
uh, appetite, how much um, demand there is for horror that's longer like that, because, you know, novellas are so big right now um, Mm -hmm. within the indie horror community. And I feel in some ways like we're we're in this little microcosm of what we actually experience because we interact a whole lot with book bloggers and and, um, with other folks who it's. Uh, you know, it's high on their list to be able to get a lot of things in. So I don't know whether it's just that sort of thing that I see more of, but I do wonder how much of a, an appetite there is for, because, um, you know, uh, you mentioned the Dresden Files, and that's, I would absolutely agree that that's horror. I also think there's a lot of fantasy element to that too. And there's certainly a lot of romance um, from from my minimal experience with it, unless I'm hallucinating, confusing with something else. But um I, I wonder how much of an appetite there is for that within the, the, the like hardcore horror audience. One ongoing series, I think, like I have a fascination, like I said, with ongoing series and, you know, um, the thriller mystery side, you know, they've, they've perfected this man, you know, like whether it's Reacher or, you know, Inspector Banks or you name it, like, like, you know, when you can take um, a character that becomes beloved and that, you know, you put them through hell, but they're probably going to survive one, two, three, four, five, 10, 15, 30 books, but maybe the auxiliary characters around them die and you, you yeah. love those characters and you don't want them to get knocked off, but they do, you know, and, and that, that makes it compelling. Like, you know, I, I, I feel like that stuff, like you, you're, you're, you're really um, building an audience and you're really building, a, I think a fan base if you can capture the imagination of, of, of readers with a specific character, a protagonist, and that they're going to, you know, transcend through several books, you know, you know, multiple books, five, 10, 15 books, like addressed and, and like, I mean, I think, it, I mean, that's, I mean, wow. Like, like how, like how amazing is that? Right. And if you do that with horror, like, you know, and, and again, I, I'm not as well read as you three. So I don't know if there is an indie horror, specifically indie horror, because, you know, I love my indie stuff, and and I and I really, and of course, traditionally published stuff, I love it too. But um, I really like to support indie authors. I find that I found some of my best reading uh, amongst indies. So I really have to find like an indie horror series that has something like that, where I can, you know, kind of attach myself to a character. You know, I know that maybe they're not going to get killed off in book one, two, or three, but maybe some of their friends will, and that's going to hurt me. And you know, just yeah, I, 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 I want, I crave, I crave finding something like that because you know, I think. Um, you know, like, I think especially as indie authors, I'm not, I'd like to hear how, how Chad and Earl feel like we're all looking for longevity and it doesn't matter if we write something else other than horror, we write fantasy or mysteries or thrills or romance. We're all looking for longevity. We're all looking for long careers. We're looking for sustained success. We're looking for continued improvement. And, and, you know, like, I think all of us would love to know that, um, you know, we've written books that outlive us in terms of their their popularity, you know, after we're no longer physically present to be able to market them, that people pick them up because they're that popular. I think that's something that immortality is something I think we all we all seek in a way by writing. And and I think one of the best ways you can do that, to be honest, you have also one of the best ways you can do that is to write specifically a character that is that engaging, that intriguing that it just you know i mean that's how literature works when you write a great character that is that memorable that you know through generations that character will will be you know with dudley kravitz or you name the character right and um i think that's the key 
to success. If you can write at least that one character, use a, pro a protag that, you know, that, that, that has that staying power, then, you know, I, I think, you know, I think that's, that's a real recipe for success. So I'm looking for an indie horror series with that, essentially. When I mentioned that I was intimidated by a Wheel of Time series, um, mainly it's not, I mean, because I, mean, I like series too. Uh, I mean, I think we all do with, with this day and age because TV isn't what it used to be. The, there's mm -hmm. phenomenal writers writing uh, television and all these series for Netflix and HBO and whatnot. And uh, that's moved over into books. I mean, there, series has been around for a long time, but now more than ever, it's not that, that I'm intimidated by that. Um, first of all, I don't read a lot of uh, fantasy. I think I've read like three token books, a couple World of Warcraft books, and then like uh, some uh, a few other things. But um, it's that I know that um, I I my favorite stuff to read is very to the point in mm -hmm. its prose, uh, and that's the way that I write too because I get bored with too much backstory that's like i love stephen king but like i didn't like it very much because of mm. you know just hundreds and hundreds of pages that i could have that took me out and then back in and then right back out for you know a couple of days and then back in and um i know that a lot of this fantasy stuff particularly at least from what i hear the wheel of time series uh has the tendency to do that and when i write um you know when i write I leave out a lot of the description stuff because when I read, um, I come particularly description of characters. Um, I have several books that you would never know if I one day said um, all of the girls in the pale white are black. No one, you would never, you would never know that, you know, it's, it's, I, I just, I feel that kind of thing isn't important unless it's detrimental to the story. So I just kind of leave it out. Um, and by default, I think that when we read, we uh, have the tendency to fill in the blanks. And mm -hmm. for me, if um, uh, by default, I've already got a, an image of something, be it a house, a person or whatever. And then all of a sudden I'm told otherwise, uh, it almost pulls me out. And now I've got to construct this new thing that that I'm being told that's not really what this you know, doorway looks like, it looks like this. And I'm like, Frick, now I, I got, you know, I got this image I got to get out of my head and get this other new <laughs> one in. So I know that sounds crazy, but it's something that I, that I stray away from when I, when I write. Uh, so that's, that is part of the reason why my stuff is so short. It's not because I don't want to write anything longer necessarily. It's just that I often start right in the middle of something and then go from there rather than have this long, you know, backstory. And then we finally get to some kind of something that's, you know, hitting the fan finally. And um, Laurel, did you really think my books were 15, 16, 17,000 words? No, I, I remember there being, I feel like it was actually when like I tweeted something about, cause there was one I was working on, I think it might've been below that it, I didn't think it was going to get more than like 17 or 18,000. And I think I said something like, is that a reasonable? And I, I thought I remembered you tweeting something like, you know, such and such was 17,000 words or such, you know, su such was or something. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, yeah, what well, is your usual range? I don't. Uh, around 25 to 30. Usually. 25 to 30. Okay. 
Yeah. I wonder which one I was thinking about then, or again, maybe I hallucinated this entire. I did just write. I did just write a novel, though. Awesome. Very well done. <laughs> Granted, I wrote it with someone else, so you know maybe. Do we know who? Or is this announced yet? Or... Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just, wait, I just... Oh, the Bone one. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Mm. We just signed with uh, Crystal Lake Publishing. Oh, that's it's, awesome. Yeah. It's congratulations. A, it's a novel. It's the longest thing that that either of us have written. Well, that's congratulations. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's not that I, I have a friend who I play board games with and stuff, and he um, he has read all of the Wheel of Time books. And I remember several times him bringing up, I can't remember what book it was. He's, he was talking about how many pages there were in just the process of cre- uh, like harvesting wheat or something like that. <laughs> just like on and on and on and on and on. Um, he would always complain about that. And I was like, man, I don't know if I want to read those books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do. I like, I like uh, like a brushstroke um, description. I think, I think it's Laird Barron who basically will only ever do three, um, three elements of a person's like description. It's like, he was carrying a gun. Uh, he walked with a limp and he had a receding hairline. Like it's, it's always ever like just this like real brief, like gives you the sort of outline. And then, yeah, you can kind of fill in the blanks like from, and, and that's an interesting point with respect to characters too, because um, in a way it's kind of nice when you, when you do have them be a little bit of a blank slate. So it's like, it could be this, you know, whoever I'm projecting into there could be uh, you know, part of what people like to do with respect to media, whether it's reading or watching movies is like kind of put themselves in it, you know? So, it, Oh, it could be me, you know, it could be, you know, this other person. And there's, there's certainly merit to that. Um, I don't, I don't have an, I, I think it just depends on how well it's done um, with respect to how much like detail, you know, something is given and, and also the type of story because yeah, there is, you know, like with horror novellas and also Chad, maybe the reason we don't, write these series is because we always kill everyone and there's just no one to continue the story. I don't know. Could be us. But, uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I think just it, and it could just depend on my mood too. Like I might just be like, Oh dear God, get to the point regardless, you know, but, um, I don't know. I, I think, I think it depends. Um, and I, I think it depends on what kind of story that you're trying to tell, whether you, have to hit the ground running and continue in that fashion and just let it so that you can get to the point regardless or whether it's the sort of thing where you can expand on it and it, and it adds to the experience. It's very hard to say. See, I wanna, but, sorry, go ahead, Chad. No, 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 please go ahead. No, so I'm just curious for both of you now, especially hearing that, because I, I apologize, I'm the opposite. I want to be spoon-fed, you know, exactly what the person looks like. I want all this detail. That's the way I yep. write. That's the way a lot of the fantasy authors write. You have all this immersive you know, yeah. the guy was standing with his hip pointed this way and his sword has jewels in the in the hilt and blah, blah, blah. But I just wonder specifically, do, do you find that adaptations, movie and TV adaptations, ruin it for you then? So you've read, you know, whatever, The Shining, and now you see Jack Nicholson is, is Jack. Like, does that ruin it for you? Because you read The Shining and you have this image of what the character looked like and now, you know, it's Jack Nicholson. Like, does that affect... Like your enjoyment of watching, say, the movie adaptation of a book, if you've... If... Go ahead, Laura. I, I feel like I feel like when I was much younger that it did. Um, like I read The Stand and I loved it. I was so in love with it. And then when I watched the movie or the, you know, the 90s, like miniseries, um, 
I was really bothered because like particularly Randall Flagg didn't look anything like I pictured him. Neither did Trash Can Man. Neither did Trash Can Man. Yeah, no, Trash I was like, oh, I'm sorry, yeah. did we just go get like the CMT yeah. live like cast? Like what is going on here? Like who are these people? Um, but I feel like, you know, now especially and particularly in, in doing this business, um, I see them as very separate um creations. Um you know, uh, the, the more I know about it, the more I realize, like, hey, uh, you know, XYZ does not translate to the screen. You can't you can't make that interesting to a movie audience or you can't tell the entire tale. So, yeah, like anymore, I feel like uh, it's more just that I see them as, as separate entities. Hmm. Go ahead, Chad. Sorry. Um, it's funny that you mentioned The Shining because I uh, I am one of very few people who think that Kubrick's film is far superior to uh mm. stephen king's book and um but that being said if i if i read a uh or if i watch the movie first uh it, ruin, it ruins the book for me because there's a, a several hours of investment and i already know pretty much what's going to happen it's just now that i'm taking now i'm just taking really long time to get there so if i've seen a movie uh, I, I often never will read the book um, unless I haven't seen the movie in a long time. There are some Stephen King uh, books that have really popular ones that I've never read because I saw the movie. Um, Cujo, I've never read, uh, you know, some of them earlier ones, Dead Zone, because I, I want, you know, decades to pass so that I don't remember it so that I can actually enjoy the books. Um, but I, I was going to say something earlier, too, which I... I think it's so strange. Um, we were talking about what, you know, what I like to read and what bores me in a book and stuff. In, when it comes to movies, if I can, I can watch a movie that's like, uh, I, I saw a movie one time called Tape that has, um, I think it was Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman and somebody else. And um, maybe it wasn't Ethan Hawke, maybe it was uh, the Stephen Dorff sometimes they get the two mixed up anyway the whole movie is just the three people and it takes place in a hotel room that's the entire movie and it's just dialogue driven and character driven i love that movie um there there's another movie i saw called spring forward another one called prince avalanche uh, these are indie films that are just heavy dialogue uh character driven pretty much one setting i love that stuff but if I'm watching a movie where there's huge, huge explosions and car chases and gunfights, I'm bored to tears. And I don't know, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because I'm jaded and I just, it, I, it just, I've seen all this before. It just, but these discussions that these people, and I'm watching this, these, this character development, I'm getting to know these people feels a lot more unpredictable to me. I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know where this is headed. And the fact that this has turned into a movie something's going to hap happen and I don't know what it is. You know, this conversation starts to turn dark. Well, oh no, what, you know, what is happening now? But with the car chase, it's like, you know, there's another explosion. So what? I've seen a million of those, <laughs> you know, oh, you're turning, you're fishtailing around this, this corner really fast. It's like, I, I seriously, I, I can't stand that stuff. And I'm not bashing anyone just like I'm not bashing anyone who loves PL, all the, the, the stuff that you like to read and write with the description, man, people love that stuff. People love it. People love big giant tomes and they like to really 
delve into that. Um, I'm just not one of those people. And, uh, you know, but, but that's the beauty of, I mean, we're all different and we all like different things and, um, we all have different life experiences. And for some reason, yeah, explosions and fights and stuff like that put me to sleep, man. (laughs) No, I hear you. And I hear you. There's lots of fantasy writers that write that they believe in brevity. They're a lot more to the point, but they're just as successful. People love their books because like you said, it's people that love the, you know, 10 page descriptions about someone's story. There's people that hate it. And there's people that want to get, you know, to the nitty gritty and move on. And, you know, authors like Will White, I've never read his stuff, but I hear he's very like that. He's very like, you know, it's to the point. It's very, you know, but it's, it's fast paced and it's, you know, there's, there's not a lot of exposition that it just, the, the book goes. Right. And, um, you know, it just, like you said, it, it, the world would be pretty boring if we all like the same thing and there's room for, you know, all yeah. of us to have our own taste. And that's what makes life amazing. Right. But, mm. um, I think that, you know, it's funny that when you, you talk about that, that, you know, we're, and we're all different, but I definitely find that, especially looking at being a father and a grandfather now that, you know, I, I, I guess my sense of nostalgia is more like, I want everything to slow down. I want everything to go backwards. I want everything yeah. to be, well, I want to take more time to look at this. Cause you know, I'm, I'm 53 going to 54 and I have more years behind it ahead. And I want to savor this. I want to do that. And my kids just want everything to go. Right. <laughs> Let's get to the point of this. Let's get to this. Let's get to that. Right. And, and, you know, they're in their twenties and thirties or whatever. Now I have grandkids, but I'm just like, it's just funny. And it's not necessarily a generational thing. You know, people my age that feel that way that they just, you know, they, they want to move things forward. They, they like those fast paced plots. They don't like, but I'm just saying it's just, just one of those, it's interesting when you talk about I, I'm, Yeah. I'm one of those people your age that, that likes, I'll be 53 this month. So. Oh, you don't look at that. Wow. Oh, you know, well, thank you. Yeah. And I have grandkids, but. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. I, I like that we all um, like different things and, and yeah, bigger variety, you know? And yeah. just a quick note, tape is, does have, is, is, it is a Ethan Hawke movie. Okay. Um, yeah. So just a. And have you seen Lock by um, was it Tim, Tom Hardy? Have you seen that one? No. He's in his car on a cell phone the whole movie. I heard it's really good though. Yeah, it's really, oh, yeah, good. It's really so good. One one setting, and you would think one one person in a car for an hour and forty minutes or whatever, but it's yeah. He does Dude, a lot have, with just being on this being on his phone for an hour. Have you seen plus. Jerry the movie Jerry with Matt Damon and Casey Affleck? I think it is. No, but I'm not into the list. <laughs> Um, uh, most people probably would hate it. And if I turned it on to anybody, they'd be like, you know, I hate you and un- unfollow me, unfriend me. <laughs> it's based on a true, true story. And it's basically just about these two friends who, um, take a walk and they get lost in the desert. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for an hour and a half, they just, that's, that's, it's them talking and trying to, and uh it's over days and they're like you know they're struggling to stay alive because no water and food and stuff like that and that's the whole movie it's not it's strictly dialogue and they're just walking in in the first like i don't know i I know there's like a five minute shot of just like feet you know Mm -hmm. on the ground and it it puts you but because of these long shots and stuff like that and the crunch of everything it it puts you there like how much longer is this going to go on? You know, so it kind of, it knows what it's doing. Hmm. Yeah. I did have a, a question. I, I apologize again. I can't display comments for some reason. Streamer is being weird tonight, but uh, Matt's fantasy book reviews had a question. Something that I think about often is 
I would like to ask the authors a question. For me as a reviewer, I find myself very hesitant to write reviews for books for non-huge authors because I worry that if I don't like it, uh, my book review will harm their career. I know it's just uh, I know it could, I just could not release bad reviews that harms my reputation as an honest reviewer. What should I do as a reviewer who wants to be honest but also not cause harm? Release the negative review. Always. Don't don't tag the author, of course. Um, and if someone has accidentally done that without knowing, you don't have to, you know, hate yourself till the end of time. All of this is a learning curve. Um, so people don't always know. But yeah, if you do a negative review, don't tag the author. Um, I, I personally think that reviewing is a reader's space. And if I happen to look at my reviews, which obviously I do from time to time, if it bothers me, then I need to just close the screen and not look at it. Um, obviously, uh, reviews sell. Reviews are our lifeblood. But honest reviews are our lifeblood. Because I was a reader before I was a writer, and I will be a reader long after I'm a writer. And I trust reviews more, in particularly if there aren't that many. If you have someone who's got like, you know, maybe gives a three star or a two star and and I'm hesitant to, to tell you what to include or what not to, because it's also valid to just throw stars up there. You, you know, you do what you want to as a reader or a, review, or a reviewer. But if you're wanting to review like from, from sort of a more professional standpoint, which it sounds like that's what you do, um, then what helps us, uh, whether it's negative or not, is to say what didn't work for you because other readers might read that and say, but that's exactly what I want out of this. Yeah. Um, and so you are, you're giving, uh, you're increasing the number of reviews that they have, which is great anyways. You're lending legitimacy to it because I don't know about y'all, but if I pull up one and there's 10 reviews and they're all five stars, I'm like, that's your mom, that's your dad, that's your grandmother, you know, like it's, it lends legitimacy, you it know, does, and, really, yeah. I and, agree, it, and it, totally agree. yeah, and it, it also actually gives you, this is a little bit more um, meta, I guess, but um, I've developed really good relationships with uh, some reviewers or, or readers because they appreciated how I dealt with the negative review, which is hmm. just to, you know, not, and, and like, you know, obviously still interact with and be cool with like my best friend could despise my book, give it a one-star review you know, say how bad it was, like that I'm the worst writer ever, I'll never mention it to him and I'll buy him a beer the next time I see him. Like it's not, you know, and, and writers who, I, I'd be lying if I said that, that uh, negative reviews don't sometimes hurt. Uh, in particular, when you're, when you're very new um, and you're still just kind of learning, they can really be like a, you know, but it's also the sooner you learn to feel that, the better off you're going to be. And an author who can't learn that, and again, even if they've had a somewhat more public meltdown, which, you know, I, I wish that they wouldn't, but people make mistakes and I don't agree with people's, you know, careers being destroyed over screwing something up once, um, you know, they, they're, they'll be okay. They will be okay. And the, the sooner that they learn to deal with it, the better they're going to be. I would always recommend from your comfort level, I would always recommend releasing the negative review. Sorry, that was a very long diatribe. No, but that was exceptionally well said, and I couldn't I couldn't say any better myself. I would add that a um, there are some options, um, you know, because we all get caught up. A lot of us on the whole star rating, right? And and then some a lot of reviewers. I'm a blogger. I'm an assistant with a four go blog. I'm a reviewer. I review lots of books besides being a writer. 
And um, you know, one option that's really emerged over the last um, couple of years that that a lot of people do is they don't leave the star rating. They'll simply make comments about the book, what worked and what didn't. And that doesn't, if, and I understand, we all understand the pragmatism of ratings and, and how that hits the algorithms and makes your book more widely viewed, et cetera. So if you're really concerned, especially with an independent author, because let's face fact, um, you know, Jobber Crombie, who I, I love what he does with reviews. He actually makes fun of his one stars, but he can afford to do that. He has thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of reviews of his books. He's one of those popular fantasy authors out there. He doesn't, he's not worried about 50, 30, 100 one-star reviews, right? But someone like myself who might have 100, 120, 30 reviews on Goodreads would be more concerned. And, you know, obviously with, as an independent author, yes, your career is a bit more fragile. And your and if let's face facts, your ego will be a bit more fragile as well because yeah. you don't have the reputation, you know, it's established. You don't have the sales, the credibility, and, you know, the clout behind you. That's, you know, someone big does. So, um, but yeah, you have that option to not leave that star rating, which doesn't, that really doesn't affect, you know, that author in, in any, you know, substantive way. So that's one option, but, but there are always some excellent points that the integrity of giving a review is more important than the, unfortunately, as much as we'd like to not say that as authors, the feelings of us as authors, right? Um, reviews can help. Um, you know, as, as authors, I'm sure we all feel, I don't want to speak for, for my fellow authors here, but I'm sure we all feel like, hey, you know what, if somebody gives a negative review on some aspect of my book that, okay, you know what, they may have a point, but this is an anomaly and it's a one-off. I've never heard anyone mention that before. It's like, okay, you may take it into consideration, but you may dismiss it. But if now five people say that same thing, you better pay attention because perhaps that's that's an exposure in your writing that you may want to address, you know, that, that may be something there that you need to actually look at that, you know, hey, I mean, it's something I really need to consider. Yes, you write the books the way you write them, but you can't be tone deaf to criticism either, right? You know, there's some very smart people yeah. who can give you very constructive criticisms to help your books. So that's why we have beta readers. That's why we have alpha readers. That's why we have all these people vetting our books for us, right? Editors, you know. So so, so um, as Ro pointed out, you, you kind of, part of the game, as much as we don't like it, is being able to accept criticism, whether that criticism is constructive, whether it's a troll, whether it's mean-spirited, whether it's whatever, that's part of what we do. Uh, don't publish your book if you don't want to, you know, be prepared for criticism. It's not that we like it. It's And, and, and yes, of course, a, 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 an exorbitant amount of negative criticism can potentially be detrimental to your career. If it's long-term, it's just sustained. If it's something that, you know, and and especially if you're an indie because you don't, you're not traditionally published, you don't have that that insulation uh, of, a, of a publishing house behind you, et cetera. But um, yeah, but at the same time, um, get ready for uh, that to happen because it is invariably, it will happen. And, but you can still craft a really, a, a negative review that sounds really positive. And, and, and I've seen them done. And I'd like to think that, I'm not the best reviewer in the world, but I like to think I can do them myself. And I'd like to think, you know, um, I could point you to 15 fantastic bloggers that do a great job of, hey, you know, this is why this book really didn't work for me. How, however, you know, this is what really did work, or this is why you might like it, or as Noel said. And I think that's that's really important too. So um, there are options of delivering a negative review. Um, the one thing I will say is I don't think that rant reviews necessarily, uh, like straight out rants, um, although I know, especially on BookTube, they, they get a lot of looks, man. Steve, I think you've seen that. Like those rant reviews, people love, like people eat, oh, get the popcorn ready. Let's, let's see somebody, you know, and, 
And and hey, people are entitled to, to post whatever they post, right? I, I get it. Um, but I think there's a way you can do it tactfully and sensitively, and you can be frank and and candid with your feedback, but yet not cruel, right? I think there's a way that that you can do that. You can accomplish that. And and anyways, let me. I, I want to hear what Jazz to say, but yeah, like there's a way you can do it. And if you and if you have any questions about that, hey man, give me a DM, and I can point you to a bunch of people that do it well, and I can point you to reviews that I've written that you know weren't necessarily favorable. But um, you can get your point across without being unkind, and yet, yeah, you know, maybe perhaps maybe emphasizing to the positive books that someone who it works for will will get that book. Yeah, both of you very well said, and I wanted to re reiterate reiterate the importance of um, um, maybe taking the time to. I mean, if you're doing you know a full constructive re review anyway, rather than just like you know this book sucked, then um, stating what didn't work for you because yeah, that could be somebody else's like PL and I, we don't, we probably don't like the same uh, books. You know, I like the short choppy fast stuff and he likes big, thick, you know, meaty stuff he could just really dive into and lose himself into. So if, you know, um, I, I would, I would be less concerned about um, ruining someone's career too, because if it sounds like you're, well, you're talking about indies to be perfectly honest, man, there's a lot of indies in, in all genres who they could they could really use a little less stroking and a little more criticism um, because that I, I, I usually ignore the first, um, I don't know, maybe 20 five star reviews. Like when a book first comes out, we all know that, you know, that a lot of that's just stroking. I mean, some of it might be legitimate but it's like part of a street team it's like um their friends and relatives and stuff like that not always but um and, and not to say that book isn't good it's just that i kind of don't pay attention to those reviews hmm. it's the ones that get into the hands of people they don't know when those start those people start saying oh my gosh i love this book those are you know kind of trustworthy reviews and those are the ones that i even though i appreciate uh friends um, and fellow authors and readers um, leaving the reviews because it helps with algorithms. It helps with uh, ego <laughs> and uh, everything else. It, you know, it keeps me motivated to write. It's the ones that come later where it's like, man, I don't recognize that name. Um, and they're just like, I love this book. And it's like, yes, you know, because they, they don't owe you anything and they're not, they don't feel the obligation to do that. But I, I do see a lot of, um, stroking going on and I, I sometimes i'll pick up a book and i'm like scratching my head and i look at all the the people you know some of my peers or some of my friends and it's like five stars really dude you know five stars really <laughs> and <laughs> i don't i'm not buying it i've done that before i don't do it anymore but i have done that years ago uh i've given a handful of blurbs that i didn't believe in mm. um and i just don't I don't think that's healthy for the, the, I don't think you're doing the writer any favors, any writer who um, has been writing for, let's say at least uh, three to five years, they probably don't like the first thing that they, um, they wrote. And if they've self-published, they probably hate the first thing that they so proudly <laughs> uh, published in the first place. It's just the way it is, you know? And then, uh, I remember the the uh, a story that I wrote, 
And in my notes, in my first collection, at the end, I wrote, this is my favorite story I've ever written. And it's, I know I could tell it always will be. I freaking hate that story. Uh, <laughs> I hate the whole collection. And uh, I don't ever advertise it because I don't want people reading it. And uh, um, I, I self-pubbed it. It's edited well and everything. And, and it's just that I'm, that's not me anymore. Those Twilight mm -hmm. Zony creep show tales from the crypt uh, stories. It's just not me anymore. So I don't, I don't, I don't like them, but yeah, you could, if, especially if someone is able to take the constructive criticism, um, which not everybody can, and those who can't are never going to learn. They just want to have their ego stroked, but you could really be doing them a favor if, especially if it's something that um, others aren't telling the truth and it's just seriously not a good book, you know, like yeah. it's already been done. It's, it's the, the prose isn't very well. They're not a good storyteller, you know, list goes on, what, whatever reason that feels like, like this would never be able to be traditionally, traditionally, traditionally published in a million years. So um, hopefully you'll run into more people who can appreciate that. Just just yesterday, do you guys know Jason uh, Cavalera? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's great. I love ben, that guy, ben, man. Ben Headspawn? When I, when I, yeah. Yeah. When yeah. I send him books, he sends me cards, like thank you cards in the mail. When, and when I send him an e-copy to read, he's sent me a Christmas card. He sent me a cookie in the mail one time that was like some kind of packaged <laughs> cookie. He sent me a band t-shirt. We we have collaborated remotely musically. It's it's we didn't put it out or anything, but it was just it's like something that we were starting to do. I sent him three smile mile. He he didn't like it that much, and he posted. He said his you know he does very short reviews. He read twenty four books books this month, and he gives his best and his and and his least favorite, his favorite and the least favorite, and like one sentence reviews. I got and he grades them A to D or E maybe. I got a C, and he said that uh, you know I know that he's loved all my stuff. He said this was his least favorite, and I and then he tagged. He said, congratulations. I, I found this because he had tagged another author who um, took first place in his books for that month. He didn't, he didn't tag me or anybody else in there. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, see, okay. So I just told him, dude, I really appreciate your honesty because yeah. it seriously is not doing me any favors if all of my friends and stuff tell me one thing and then, you know, then all of a sudden, somebody gets on somebody gets their hands on a youtube that has thirty five thousand followers and then they read it and they just like what the hell is this garbage and it's all one and two stars and stuff it's like thanks guys you didn't tell me it was it sucked so. <laughs> yeah I, I, but but and you know what and i but, but i do want to say i do want to preface this whole thing by also saying if you love a book and you think it's a five star give it a five star don't don't yeah. even think about if you're gushing over a book because there's lots of, of course. books that are amazing and I think mm -hmm. we all feel this way that it deserves a five star give it a damn five star don't don't look back the same way you the same way you give it a one star if that was horrible don't look back like just do it and and don't don't be scared if if most of your reviews are two and three and one stars or most of them are four or five stars because that's just what you read like you, you I think as long as you're being true to yourself and what you actually thought of the book like I I. 
I'm very selective in my reading now as I get old, man. I'm a gray beard. I can't, I can't take the time <laughs> to read books that I have any inkling that I'm not going to like, right? Like, I just don't, I, I if I think that whether someone tends to be an art, it, it, and, and it may be just not necessarily a great book, it's just not going to be my thing per se. Yeah. I'll be like, you know, hey, I really appreciate it, or you know what, or I may take it depending, I may want to give it a chance. Because I tend to do that, I'd like to give books a chance because I may end up liking it, right? So I, even though it doesn't need to be my thing, but um, essentially, like, I'm very choosy about the books I read. And I tend to pick books that I think, when I pick a book, I'm thinking it's going to be a four or five star read. And typically it is because now I'm very selective about that. But I've been wrong because I'm certainly, you know, I'm infallible just like everybody else. And I'll pick up books that haven't worked for me. And sometimes like, ooh, and I really need to write a review about this. And how do I phrase this in a way that's going to be, you know, complimentary to things that deserve being complimentary and, you know, be frank, you know, about, about the things that, that didn't work for me. And, you know, but like I said, don't, don't get caught up with, you know, the whole rating thing and, oh, my God, I can't give a positive view. I can't get that. Like, if you feel the book was amazing, gush about it because that's what we need. You know what I mean? We need more people to gush about books. Right about their favorite authors, about things they liked, about like yes. gush about it, gush to the heavens, give that book a five star, the highest rating you can. And if it really didn't work for you, well, yeah, try and emphasize some positives, but but say so. Just be true to yourself, right? That that's all. That's also it's not so much about whether you give a one star or five star. It's about being true to yourself. And if you love a book, gush about it. If you didn't like it, you know you, you can be tactful and say that, but be honest. That's that's all it is. And and I'll add if someone isn't um equipped uh if they if they're not open to criticism that's actually not your problem um yeah. you the once a book is released it doesn't really belong to the author anymore um you know except for the royalties give me that shit but otherwise you know that's that's the story it's out there and i always like to say like i i can't tell you how many times i have talked someone out of reading or buying crossroads because it is depressing as fuck and in particular with everything that's been going on, I commonly like, I'll have someone be like, what about this one? I'll be like, well, let me give you a, a heads up. And sometimes people will just sort of close it and walk away slowly. And I'm like, I'm glad because frankly, I don't, you know, like you were saying, Chad, like I don't want somebody to buy my book based off some recommendation that was in, disingenuous and then end up hating it. Um, and I'm also, I, I will tell anyone, again, does not matter if I sent you a free one, if publisher sent you a free one, if you hate it, if you are just hating every moment, don't just st stop, throw it across the room, cough on it, throw it in the trash can, take your anger out on it because it's wasting your time. Like, it doesn't, it's fine. It really is. Um, and, uh, but you know, all of this, what we're saying is not meant to uh, diminish that it can be hard to write the negative reviews and put them out there. But the more that you do it, know that you are, you are truly doing a service and the easier it'll get and and that we appreciate it all of us do i don't i don't know i don't know that i clarified when i mentioned that uh, you're not doing them any favors what i meant by that was um the writer needs to get better and uh, oh, yeah. and and we're you know if you it's it's really healthy to be told this isn't working or whatever and like pl said it's if, if it's a one one thing it's like like when you're doing a beta reader and you've got like seven beta readers and one person says something it's like yeah you know if but if three people say the same thing that's like oh okay maybe i need to check this out a little bit but um yeah 
uh, what I meant by, you know, you're not doing them any favors is uh, they can get writer or they can, they can get writer. <laughs> they can get better <laughs> at writing. And um, if they are, uh, or they can feel complacent and think that they don't need to because they're the shit. And, and uh, so they don't need to, you know, hone their craft anymore. And I think we all do need to get back. I know that I strive to get, well, I strive to get to the point where the 19 books I have right now, I hate, and I think they suck, and I'm embarrassed to. Um, Amen, brother. Amen. In, yeah. Embarrassed to to <laughs> keep them on Amazon. Yeah, no, I feel so. Continuous improvement, man. That is what you all writers like. You're only as good as your last book. I want someone to say, you know, a drawn cutting was good, but the last thing is so much better. Oh, and Lauren case, so and and it just goes on. And I know that's that's a high bar to reach. I think that's what we're all aiming for as authors. Yeah. We're all aiming for that. And if we fall short, okay, but that's what we're striving for. But I think part of this whole review thing is because unfortunately, um, you know, monetarily, the way that we're set up as writers, this review stuff matters. And we wish it didn't. We wish that none of that mattered. We wish that how many reviews you had on Amazon didn't determine about how many times Amazon pumps the algorithm to yes. advertise your book without you doing anything, or that yeah. Goodreads does it, or that we, we wish it wasn't like that, but it is. We can't hide from that. Yeah. And 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 I, I think the one thing I, I neglected to say in the whole review discussion is that you know um you if you if you're in a position where you are have so many reviews that you don't need to care about them then that can be a liability, right? Like there's authors that, and I'm, I'm not saying they're like that. They're, I'm not saying they're resting on their lawyers because Walt Rural story, because I know they're not. But, you know, what what's what does it matter if you give Stephen King's book a negative review? It matters nothing. It matters zero, right? In in his day, in his career, it matters nothing. 5,000 negative reviews couldn't hurt Stephen King's book. You know what I mean? Like, like that's the level at which, you know, so... Stephen King is focused on doing Stephen King and writing his next book. He's not focused on whether you gave him one star. However, yes, indie author XYZ may be monitoring every single review they get, and that one star may may hurt them, right? At which and point, I always tell them, stop it. If it hurts you, stop it. You don't have to feel bad about looking at them, but then close it down. I agree. I agree. And, 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 and you know what? Um, Again, like I said, you don't want to be tone deaf to criticism. You don't want to go, okay, well, like like Chad said, it doesn't matter. I'm so good that I'm the shit that, you know, it doesn't matter if this person is criticizing, what, what do they know, right? I'm a, I'm I'm the author, right? Like, no, but but there is that balance, right? And I think um, you know, independent authors, okay, you know, yes, there, it, I'll be candid. I think it matters more. Negative reviews can affect the perception of the book where it matters more potentially to the author's career. A bad review for especially from an influential blogger or so an influential author that read the book can potentially it can but not necessarily like laurel said not necessarily right and and i don't think you can stop you should stop the presses because you're so concerned about the you know hey if i'm not concerned if i get a book that i'm like oh man i, I would just i dm the author and say hey man look you know what i appreciate you selling me that arc or whatever and you know what but this didn't work for me i i don't feel that i you know, like I can give you feedback. I'll give you canon feedback between you and I, but I'm not going to publish this because, and that's another option, but I'm not going to publish a review because, you know, potentially, you know, it may or may not hurt you. So, right. And and that's, you have all kinds of options when it comes to writing reviews, right? Do not write, you know, don't leave stars, decide on personal private feedback with the author, 
you know, you name it, right? So, you know. Uh, Helena had a question. Question for the authors. Which book that you've authored is best to start with? Mm. That's a tough one. <laughs> it is a tough. It's a it's a tough one. And like for me, it, it depends a lot on what your preference is. Whispers in the Dark is my debut. It's like I said, it's more of like a police procedural, like sniper shooting people, blowing shit up kind of thing um, that Chad would hate. And uh, so that's, you know, if that's kind of your thing, but it's, it's also very like, uh, like character driven, very character heavy. There's, you know, there's a, there's kind of a romance thing going on in there. Um, so if that's your thing, that would be the one to start with. Um, Crossroads and Below are both a lot shorter. Uh, Crossroads is, it's grief horror. So just so what it good. sounds like. It's gonna... So good. <laughs> Thank so good. you. I appreciate it. It also just does ruin people's day sometimes. So I like to make sure people know that. Uh, Below is probably, I'm, I feel like it's probably the most fun thing um, that I've got out so far. So yeah, maybe maybe start with Below. Chad, what do you think? Where's the best place to start with your work? Uh, yeah, it, again, it depends on what you're looking for. Um, uh, like some of my favorites are definitely not other people's favorites and that's okay. Like there's a couple <laughs> of books that I wrote um absolutely 100 from me and i don't recommend those even though they were the most fun and some of the, one, the ones that i'm most proud of um but yeah it depends on if you're looking for something um sad or if you're looking for coming of age i i, I genuinely tell people um like a foster homes and flies just because uh I don't know. I feel like it's kind of a good gateway. It's coming of age. A lot of people like coming of age. Um, and uh, it is, um, you know, I wouldn't call it grief or even though it is kind of sad, but it's also hopeful. Um, but if you do want to do grief horror, like uh, Laurel's book, Crossroads, Stirring the Sheets is definitely um, horribly sad. Um but yeah, or if you want to laugh and do some like who done it thing, the neon owl. Neon owl, yeah, is kind of funny. It's like uh, it's like if you like Joe Lansdale. Um, That's a fun one. It's really fun. Or the new one is um, is a little bit different than what I've, which is ironic. Jason thought it was uh, it was the least favorite of his that he's written, but other people that have read most of my stuff said that it was their favorite of mine so far, but. I don't know, but probably off Ostroms and Flies. And they're, and they're all short, you know, they're ranged from 15,000 to 16,000 words, right, Laurel? <laughs> I'm, bad. No, they're, <laughs> I'm bad at analysis. They're like, tw they're like uh, you know, 22 to 40,000 words. That's amazing. It just, it just points out how much of a novice I am compared to you two. You guys have this big, huge body of work, which you should be proud of. Like, kudos, hats off to you. I started late and I only have two books and I'm writing the third and the third. Yeah, but how many, how many words? Uh, well, that's... the first one's about 160,000 words. There the you go. That's, you go. that's words, everything I've ever words. written right there. <laughs> also, but, uh, I've only got three. You've got, you've got two. I've got three. We're not, yeah. yeah. But, but, but it's funny, like, and you know, obviously, Chad's got an extensive, you know, bibliography there. But but it's funny, you, we were, I think we were talking about it earlier, like 
you know, I, I feel that I put enough recap in all my books. I don't believe in the, some people call it the dreaded synopsis, like what's gone before you put that, especially in fantasy books, you write three pages just by itself of saying, this is what happened in the previous book. So now I believe in winding that into the book, hopefully organically, even if not, I'd just rather do it that way. This is what I do. But it's funny, like you have your favorites, right? And, you know, um, it's the things you can't talk about. Just like, you know, we all, we all may or may not have our favorite pets or our favorite kids or, but you can't talk about it. Right. Because, you know, you want to be fair. And, and, and I, I, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. Like, you know, you, you love your kids equally, but there's things that, you know, you vibe, you may vibe with one or, you know, or your pet, a particular pet, you may vibe one with, you know, you love them equally, but, you know, but yeah. So like, I mean, for me, um, you know, I think a drawn kingdom is always going to be my baby in a way, even though I don't think it's my best book. Um, I honestly believe that my, you know, I've approved each book. And I think The Last of Atlantis is better than Drunk Kingdom and Lord and King is better than The Last of Atlantis and hopefully Lion's Pride, which right now is better than Lord and King. But at the same time, there's just things I like about <laughs> that book that it doesn't matter how quirky or if someone doesn't like it, it's just, it just has that part of my heart, right? Um, yeah. If you like, if you like the battle stuff, go to The Last of Atlantis. There's some pretty heavy duty action in there. And I think people eat that up because, you know, that's what a lot of fantasy lovers like. They like the, you know, my mom calls it blood and thunder and, you know, most of my friends call it blood and thunder, but they like that stuff. And then I think Lord and King is my most complete book. Cause I think it's got everything. It's got the action. It's got the drama. It's got the love scenes. It's got the political intrigue. It's got the psychological screw with your head stuff. It's got, you know, but um, a drunk kingdom is still you know, my baby because I think it, it, I don't know. It just lays the foundation for certain things. And and because I write one of those series where um, I do so much foreshadowing and, you know, I mean, when you finish the seven book series that I'm writing, you look back at book one and say, all oh, the answers were in, kind of like in book one. And, you know, like that, if you really pay close attention enough. And I think that's kind of cool. So, you know, maybe that, so that's why I think, um, you know, you should start with book one, but you can start some, I've had a reader the day that started with book two went backwards because they're like, ah, I heard book two is way more action-oriented. That's what I like. I can go back and get the backstory of a drunk kingdom later. And they actually did that. And they go, oh, I love the last year. That is now I went back to read Drunk Kingdom. Oh, a drunk kingdom is better now. Cause I, and they said, I think if I would read John Kingdom first, I wouldn't have liked it as much. I might even continue with it. And that's up to them. It's like Laurel says, it's, it's the reader's prerogative, right? But, um, you know, yeah, ADK is still my, my favorite book. And our friend Helena wants to know what the story behind the mask and the green dude behind Chad is. <laughs> uh, that is uh, Frankenstein, and it's on a uh, bare-chested mannequin that I painted uh, a nighttime scenery on, and one boob has a is a giant moon painted on it. <laughs> and it's clothed for this production, but it's usually bare-chested for final guys, isn't it? Is that the same one? Oh yeah, it's the same one. Yeah, it's wearing a, it's just wearing a shirt this time. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Our, our, uh, our friend Joao had a question. Uh, what are your favorite horror tropes? Ghosts. That's really easy. Just love ghosts. Chad, what are your favorites? Uh, I don't. I don't know, man. Um, I like ghosts. Uh, I guess uh, possession stuff, maybe, because that scares me a lot. Um, 
Ghost, if it's done well. I liked House of Leaves, um, yeah. which, you know, I understand if somebody hates it. I love but, it. I love it. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretentious and it's genius. <laughs> and uh, I like the I like the concept. Uh, you know, as I was reading it, I was just like, "What? Really? The house is different on the inside than it is on the outside." I was like, and then you can get lost in it. It was just very cool. I love reading anything that's that's like, I like I said before, I just feel so jaded with everything. So that when something new comes along, and fools me, man, I. I, I just love that. But I, I can't think of a, maybe that's why it's hard for me to think of tropes because I, I like stuff so much that I feel like hasn't been done before. Like Hunter Shea, he will, he likes Bigfoot. So he'll read every Bigfoot thing that there's ever been written and then write four Bigfoot books. And it's just like, man, dude, don't you think one book is enough to read big about Bigfoot? <laughs> Tell you, man, try and true. Vampires, werewolves, and zombies. I cannot get enough of either of the three mm-hmm. of those. If you write a book with a vampire, werewolf, or a zombie in there, I'm probably gonna read it just to say, like, I mean, if if it's if I hear it's halfway good, and you have, I hear you have a vampire in there or a zombie or a werewolf, I'm I'm there. <laughs> in that I like case, position too, though. Before I forget, uh, when when you're looking for the series and you like vampires. Beverly Lee's Gabriel Davenport series. Okay. That's for you. We're starting that in April. Lee. Beverly Lee. Beverly uh, Lee, yeah. Where's my Goodreads? I, I leave mine up all the time on podcasts too for recommendations. <laughs> I didn't I didn't put mine up, but I'm gonna put it up now. Beverly Lee. I like I like psychological horror, but that's so broad, you know. Yeah. Um and I wouldn't consider it a trope, but that's same with with movies too. It's the psychological stuff. So, what's what's the last psychological horror book you've read that you would recommend for people who love psychological horror? Uh, oh man, you're gonna make me get on Goodreads. Too. Oh no, <laughs> sorry, I, I hate Goodreads too. Sorry. <laughs> um. Gosh. Um. I don't know. I'm I'm <laughs> I am drawing a blank right now. Um if you have for psychological horror, if you have not read This Is Where We Talk Things Out by Caitlin Marceau, holy shit. That was that was horrifying. It's psychological horror across the board. It was the most horrifying thing I read last year. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. And I never do this. Like she sent it to me for a blurb and I never like communicate with the authors while I'm working on that. But I just kept messing her. I was like, what the fuck, Caitlin? What is this? And it was, oh my God. No, like, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'll, I'll highly recommend. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm getting it. Oh yeah. Grab it. Thank me later or yell at me later. Either way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's I love deeply disturbing. It's so disturbing. I think yeah, I just the pale that. white looks looks. I I just added that to my Goodreads. Chad's the pale white. I, I oh, like thank that. you very much. That oh, looks good. Way. I'm going with the laurels now. Crossroads, PL. Crossroads. Crossroads. If you yeah, it's, it's so. Good. I don't know when you got kids. It might. I I think the last uh, psychological horror that I um, read that I really enjoyed was just a few months ago. I read um, like three or four months ago. I read. 
uh, Night of the Mannequins by Stephen Graham Jones. Oh, yeah. It's such a unique take on um, a slasher. Uh, yeah, very, yeah, it, it throws a psychological element into uh, a slasher thing. Nice. Remember that one too. And when when we met, uh, when I when I met Stephen Graham Jones in at the Spirit of Giving, he's when he's in the room, you know he's in the room. He has that kind oh, yeah. of presence. He's just a different kind of. I don't know. It's really really wild. And Chad, it's funny now that I'm I'm looking at it. The the movie Lock that I mentioned to you earlier is uh, an A twenty four movie with Tom Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh, I'm gonna have to see that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't know that until just right now. Really good stuff. I hear a small person approaching oh. at greater and greater volume. <laughs> so I'm assuming it's getting close to that time for him. Yeah. So uh before before we go, um Chad, what are you what are you working on? What's coming up for you? What are you what are you looking forward to? Um I'm working on uh just drawing lately graphic design mm -hmm. i bought a new tablet and i haven't been writing for like the last two weeks but before that i was i have like maybe three or four books like at various stages of progress um some of my novels uh one of them is a book that i don't know that i will um finish uh I got in this really dark place a couple of weeks ago and I started writing this book that I thought would be kind of funny. And then, and then I was like, do I want to even write about this? I've got a book cover for it and everything. Mm -hmm. And it, the, the whole concept is outrageous and hilarious. Um, uh, I'm tempted to show you the cover. I've never shown it to anybody. Oh. Um, An exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And then um, I have uh, supposedly May is supposed to be the receive the release of my finally the release of my um, splatter western how the skin sheds. That's a great through, title. Thank yeah. you through Dead Sky, and then um, uh, early or and then January 20, 2024, uh, Cemetery Dance will put out uh bruises on a butterfly which is nice. a um it's uh it's like oh man stand by me meets um what is that what is that movie that nick cage movie with the um colorado space mm. it's um, got like I forget the name of it is it raising no it's oh, no. colorado it's colorado space i think um and then um uh and then early next year as well will be um crystal lake publishing uh the bed makers with john bowden and then i'm sure because i do i'm hybrid and i do self-publishing stuff i'm sure that i'll have at least probably two more books out this year that aren't even written I, I just do that on a, you know, three smile mile. I, I, I made the cover as a pre-made, decided I want to write the story for this, took it down and wrote it in three weeks. And then wow. I did the same thing with Cannibal Creator. And within, you know, a month I've got it 
you know, in the hands of, you know, to be edited and all that. And since I don't always do my own covers, if I think that I can't pull off the aesthetic that I'm looking for, then I'll, you know, have somebody else do it or whatever. But uh, most of the self-published ones I've done myself, with the exception of the pale white, with the, the pale white paperback, I did the pale white hardcover. Um, so I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably have a couple things that aren't even written yet that I don't even have an idea for yet. <laughs> so, I mean, it only takes so long to write 15,000 words, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be one of those. <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed with the work you do on your covers. Uh, you do a really oh, thanks, great job man. with the covers. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Laurel, before uh, before you have to put the little one to bed, uh, what are you working on? What can we expect? What's new? What do you have planned? What's what's going on with you? Well, so I, I mentioned I have a collection coming out on March 3rd. Every woman knows this. That's out through Death Nail Press, which is Red Lego's press, and she is absolutely wonderful to work with. Um, I have a full-length novel coming out from Flame Tree Press in October called Silent Key. Uh, that is the first in a series. Um, I have two and a half more manuscripts written in that series, but whether or not those... Uh, get picked up. I don't really know yet. We'll see how it goes with Silent Key. Um, and then as for what I'm working on, um, I just finished an audio drama script uh, that's going to be in season three of Shadows at the Door. Mm. Um, and I have, uh, I've got two completed novellas that need a lot of editing. Um, but hopefully I'll be able to get that to that in the next couple of months and see where those go. So nice. A little bit of everything. Wow, it, it always amazes me how much how much work you like authors put in and how far ahead you plan. You're planned for the next several months, or in Chad's case, the next year. So, <laughs> lots of yeah, lots of lots of time and, and effort. I have this book cover exclusive. If you want to see it, yes, of course. Yes. I'm gonna, Please, I'm going to show it on my phone. And this is, uh, yeah, I, like I said, I don't know if I'm going to put this out or not, but. It's exactly what you think it is. And, you know, nice. I, can, I don't know how well you can see that. What's Charles the title Manson. on it? Manson, Manson. Family oh. Arcade. <laughs> Manson Family Arcade. Wow. That, that, that must be wild. That must be a wild book. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, what do they call that when you kind of retell history or what's that called? Like uh, historical like fiction, like it's historical, like reinventing, like reinvention, like yeah. But there's some kind of term for reboots, it. Yeah. or I mean, essentially, a, um, a re, um, yeah. This doesn't include, like, this doesn't include the tape murders and stuff like that. But what if these crazy cats owned an arcade in 1980 and um, in Southern California? <laughs> wow. Yeah. When can we what can we expect that one? Maybe never. I don't know. I stopped. <laughs> I stopped writing. I got pretty far, and then I stopped writing it. And and I'm like, do you really want to put this out? I started feeling. I almost started feeling kind of bad. I mean, that that whole cult thing uh, really interests me. And so I bought a copy of Helter Skelter, and I've been reading that. That's freaking dark, man. So I put that down. And wow. uh, I don't know. I I kind of have convictions i don't know if i i did the cover um and i was like this is insane actually i think i was talking to tim meyer and i was spitballing he wasn't even hardly talking back to me i'm like well, dude what if this what if this and i was like and it could be called this and um 
he was just kind of like the sounding board. And then within two hours, I sent him this cover and he's like, Oh my gosh, dude. I was like, dude, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to write this crazy thing. So I don't know. I, I don't know if it's one of those things where it's, uh, I mean, I, I liked how it's written so far. I don't know if it's one of those things where the cover is better than the book. Like, like uh, it, it looks better on paper kind of thing mm. or, or not, but I just like the concept of uh, the worst group of people that you would want to uh, have run an arcade that all your neighborhood kids are hanging out at. <laughs> <laughs> how, a question for both of you uh how, how many books have you written or novellas that you've written that you like eh, i don't know if i'm gonna release this how, how many books are finished or close to being finished and you just decided not to not to push through the door as far as what i think i'll never publish i think two novels that i wrote before whispers in the dark that are mm-hmm. just fucking awful um, but the, the rest of them, I tend to not get very far in it. Um, if I decide to abandon the project, like it's more a matter of like, do I ever find my stride? And if I don't, if it's a constant, like pulling teeth and I'm like, I'm not in the right place to tell this story then, or it's not the story for me to tell. So I don't usually get particularly far in projects before, um, finishing them or before abandoning them, if they're not really going to go anywhere. Uh, about four years ago, I got uh, pretty uh, fairly far in a, a book about a girl who um, is um, uh, she's um, into self-harm and stuff. She has a lot of emotional problems and she ends up living in um, an adult foster care home at where a worker there. Uh, falls in love with her and starts to heavily manipulate her into old habits. She's also bulimic. And so gets her to start, um, a, you know, doing herself harm again, where she was doing good, getting her back into, um, you know, uh, her bulimia and the self harm. And then, uh, it's just this crazy psychological thing. And then Eric LaRocca put his book out, uh, like a year or two ago, my book is different, but it has that same kind of manipulation mindset. Oh, the things um, have gotten worse since we last spoke. Yeah. That one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <clears throat> it's, it, it kind of has that same uh, manipulation mindset, which is, which has done, been done before. And it was done in a, in a really good movie called resurrection too. But so I thought about, no, maybe I won't write that even though I'd gotten pretty far in it. Um, but I haven't touched it in years. And then, um, and then lately I was just talking to my wife about it and I was like, you know, I don't even know if I'm going to read or write that because uh, it just, fe- it started to feel like I, li- I liked the idea, but then it started to feel like um, maybe a little bit more like unnecessary, I guess, hmm. because, you know, I know a lot of people who have gone through this kind of thing and I usually don't sway from things like that. Um or, or else I wouldn't have written the, the pale white. But also at the same time, like when I wrote the pale white, I trusted myself to handle that with tact and felt like I, I did. And that's how I would do this too. But if there was anything that I was ever going to write that I thought was legitimately triggering, that I legitimately thought for sure 
this has to have trigger warnings. I don't know that trigger warnings would do anything. Um, and just the concept, the synopsis and everything else might just set someone off. And these are things that um, are legitimate triggers. These aren't things that, oh, I'm triggered. I'm having a bad moment right now because I'm remembering something. This is more like putting someone into bad habits again. Hmm. And that's not something I want to be responsible for or aid in, in, in any way. And I worked in, um, I, but I got the idea from, I worked two years at, at one of these AFC homes taking care of mentally ill people and, um, from, you know, from self-harm to schizophrenia. And so I was going to draw on some of that too. So I'm probably not going to write that book hmm. or finish it rather. Interesting. Now the, the time just flies by before you know it, it's two hours in. Um, but we are, uh, I will be talking with chat about come true on February 9th. So curious nice. about that one. Yeah. Come on by. And, yeah, man. Yeah. Looking forward to that. We just had a, a big list of movies and I was a little nervous because most people don't know what movies I'm talking about, but Chad's like, all those sound great. So <laughs> I was excited to, uh, yeah. to get a list together. Yeah. Looking forward to that. But uh, before we sign off, uh, PL, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Uh, best places beside you and Tanner on page doing that's becoming increasingly one of the best places. Um, uh, also, again, shout out to the wonderful Beth Tablet before we go blog, where Steve and I and Taylor are all bloggers. Um, so before we go blog, a lot of my reviews are posted there, Goodreads as well. About book stuff, uh, www.plstore.com. That's where you can find out the latest about the Drug Kingdom Saga. Two books out, uh, John Keaton and the Last of the Lanterns, and Lord and King is dropping sometime in the next couple months. Uh, Twitter is my preferred social media handle. It's at PeelStartWrites, and that's where I'm, I'm I'm a Twitter kind of junkie. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, but not nearly as frequently. So if you're looking for me, DM me on Twitter. Twitter, my DMs are open. It's right there. Yes. Chad, if people want to connect with you, where's the best place to find you in your work? Uh, ChadLetzke.com. Everything is there. Links to stuff. You can email me there. You can... Uh, join my newsletter, join my Patreon, check out my book covers. Um, it's all there. Yes, and that is, that is in the description of the video, so anyone looking. And uh, Laura, where's the best place to find you? I have a woefully outdated website that um, <laughs> I am going to have Sonora Taylor help me with uh, in the near future, but you can email me through that. That link still works, even though it does say coming soon, Crossroads. Um, and uh, otherwise, I'm on Twitter and we're about to get visited. Here. Light. Not. Come here. Light. Nice. Do you do like the lights? Yeah. Okay. Oh, what a cutie. This is Sebastian. Hi. You want to say bye-bye? Hi. 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 How are you doing? <laughs> All right. Mommy's getting ready to sign off, okay? Mm -hmm. I'll come put you to bed. Love you. Oh, good boy. <laughs> All right. I'll be right there. Get ready to sign off. I didn't mean to duplicate myself. I just did. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you guys for having me on. This was this was a lot of fun. It was good to get to yeah, out, appreciate so. it, man. Yeah, thanks yeah. for coming. It was, it was great meeting you, PL. I've seen you on some of these videos, so it was it was great to finally. I'm glad that you were here. I was saying to you, yeah, great to meet both of you guys. Heard a lot about you, both you guys through Steve, obviously, and watching you know watching your stuff. And now I I'll be reading your books. Now I got them on my awesome. TV. So I'm gonna grab a Drowned Kingdom because I'm, I'm excited to start. The... No, no, no. I know. Did I, we talk about the warnings? Like, like tell people. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which the ones that you've discouraged people from reading your book? Like I would say, eh, you know. No, no, no. I I need to. I haven't gotten to read uh, fantasy in in a couple of years, so I'm grabbing it. The uh, the audio book is really good if you're into audio. Oh, books. excellent. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Oh, I'm on. Really good. Thank you. I mean, you know, but if you don't like it, there'll be. Like I said, it's not for everyone. It's you know. But thank you. I'm very honored. No, I'm very, I'm very interested to check it out. So, but and I am so sorry to have to cut it short. I gotta go. I gotta bring no, a tiny buddy, and he's gonna no, absolutely come back. Okay. So, <laughs> bye, have bye. a good night. Bye, bye. Have a good night. Yeah, Steve, I wanted to tell you that um, uh, <clears throat> this is a little embarrassing to admit, but I told uh -huh. you that I was, I was doing a lot of um, drawing in this new drawing pad, like spending hours sitting here in my office and drawing. And um, uh, more times, well, probably, I don't know, three, I've probably listened to like three or four of your podcasts, mm -hmm. not so much with the, where you have the panel, but just to hear you talk. Cause dude, you're like the Bob Ross of, uh, <laughs> I, I, I love his voice, man. He is, he is that voice. It's, oh, yeah. it's huh. so relaxing. So I, I've, I found some reading sprints on there. I was like, oh, cool. It's oh, just cool. Steve talking. So I'll get in there. And I'll I'll do the um I'll start the reading sprint and then you'll get to reading. I'll fast forward to where you start talking again. <laughs> hear about the books that you're reading and stuff. Very cool. Wow, I'm amazed. It always surprises me whenever anyone listens. So thank you. That really it makes me really happy. So yeah, I I I, I love. I was just telling my wife the other day. I think she kind of looked at me weird, and I was like, check out this guy. And I put it on, and you're like, hello, friends <laughs> or whatever. And I just looked at her, and she's like. So yeah, I was like, it's just, I was like, this guy's like Bob Ross, man. I've been listening to him. I, and, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, and a lot of that kind of stuff when, uh, when I'm doing this kind of stuff, because when I'm writing, I, I can't, I can hardly listen to music unless it's instrumental or something. And mm. even then I, I can, I, sometimes I struggle. So, but drawing, yeah, I can listen to all that kind of stuff. And so it's been, it's been cool. And I did see in PL, I, I believe you were there too. And I think I even commented on the video. You guys interviewed the Jenny Wirtz. I don't know. Some older woman that wrote fantasy yeah. and she Jenny was, Wirtz. Jenny, Jenny. was amazing. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah, she's yeah. incredible. Never, 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 uh, and her art. Oh my gosh. She's never multi -talented. read her, never read her, never heard of her, but man, yeah, she she's my favorite her. author. All her stuff is like, I mean, it's, displayed prominently on, on my shelf i mean it's just she's that's her, her own artwork i know you can't see it like that's yeah yeah she's incredible she's incredible yeah that was a great um my favorite author great uh you know i usually don't a lot of times i will bypass uh if i if i'm not familiar and i'm so glad i listened to that i still haven't read one of her things i don't know that i will ever will but i really enjoyed that episode and listening to her talk she's very wise and just i can't re even remember now what what i was so taken with but i just by the time i was done i was like man that freaking woman is awesome just her <laughs> taken with her she is motivational she's inspirational she's so intelligent yeah. she's been there done that she is an iconic person and writer that uh extremely still underrated though and mm -hmm. and but she knows the industry uh she knows literature inside out she's got a wealth of knowledge and you know it, I, I always say if you if you talk to jenny for like 10 minutes and you're not motivated to go out and write like 50 books, then you, you, you haven't been listening to her. Like she's just, yeah. Those are yes. the kind of people that you need to, you know, listen to and, and, uh, and, and speak with and stuff. I, I listened to a lot of Josh Merriman 
he gets me motivated too. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to him talk. Uh, Stephen Graham Jones does too, because they're just so prolific and they're just, it makes you want to like do nothing but live and breathe and eat, you know, writing or books or whatever. Yeah. Jenny's books would not be for you because they, they, they are extremely detailed and extremely, um, it's all about the language she used. She maximized the language. It's, it's, it, mm-hmm. you'd find it extremely wordy. And, but, um, I will say though that, you know, she's no one writes like her, but yeah, but beyond that, it's the kind of person she is like, like she's definitely Steve and I are pretty close to her and she is just a phenomenal person. She'll help anyone out. You know, you get this impression of someone who's, you would get that impression of someone who's at that level of writing, mm-hmm. you know, that, that they would potentially, they could potentially be snobbish. No, she, she'll, she'll give you the shirt off her back. She's just that kind of person. She's wonderful. I think Steve would concur. She's just. Yeah, I've, I've, I talked to her um, several times a week, and she's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. She's really kind and, and generous. And I mean, every time you talk to her, it's like, I feel like I should write, like I should start writing. And I, I have no, I, I shouldn't, but I feel like I should after talking to her because she's just so motivating. And if you listen to her talk for just a few minutes, it's like you feel like you can do anything. Like you just feel like you can accomplish all of your goals. And she's just so. I don't know. It, she's there's something about her that she's just special. She's a special person. Definitely. Definitely. Listening listening to your um your show and stuff, Steve, I didn't realize that you were so into like grief horror and um <laughs> yeah. movies that just mess you up where you're like, Maybe I shouldn't have watched that now where I kinda regret watching that, but but it, it just uh you know, um which is the same kind of stuff that I love. Yeah. You know, and where it's like, man, do I even want to recommend this movie? And yeah. I can't stop thinking about it. And uh, yeah, I had no idea. Um, I should send you like stirring the sheets or something. I mean, I, I've heard you talk about grief horror a couple times, and and I, I don't know if you've read that or not, but you might you might enjoy it if you liked uh, yeah. Crossroads. I mean, it's a different concept, but. Yeah, I own it. <laughs> I own the, the sheets. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's uh. I like martyrs. I love martyrs. But I, I you can't you can't recommend it to everyone. You just can't. Yeah. It's not for everyone. But uh, yeah. I love those kind of movies that you just you can't. Just some people just won't enjoy it or can't handle it. There's a couple. They're not horror, but there's a couple movies that uh, that I I really enjoy that. I don't ever recommend to anybody unless I know it's somebody who is like, they'll get it. You know, I don't want anybody to look at me and go, dude, what the frick is wrong with you, man? You know, give them all to me, Chad. <laughs> what are they? <laughs> Off the top of my head, two I can think of is one's called Happiness with, with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Happiness. I think I may have seen that. I'm looking for it right now. What's the other one? Uh, Mysterious Skin. Mysterious skin. Another one is uh, Bully. Oh, I love Bully. That's ho- that was a hard Bully. that was hard to watch. But it's something it uh, without giving away too much. I don't want to get too too deep into it and spoil it for anyone. But the Bully for anyone who hasn't seen it is about a a a, a group of of kids who kill another child and. The the uh, the process of killing the other kid who is the bully in the group that seems more realistic to me that it takes it's not easy to kill someone 
Yeah. That was brutal. Yeah. That it was, was very brutal. That's what sticks out to me the most is that scene. And it was like, man, yeah, that was, that messed me up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it seems like it would, that's what it would be like. It's not, it's not easy. It's not just a, cause yeah. in a lot of movies, they treat it like as a, Mm-hmm. it's over in two seconds but people want to live and it's not going to be that easy to to kill yeah. someone yeah yeah i whenever something like that is um is done like that like a movie called have you seen lords of chaos no let me look it up that has a, a stabbing scene in there that's that's similar to where yeah the will to live and they're not going down <clears throat> And that is <clears throat> both those movies, by the way, Lords Chaos and Bully are uh, mm. 100% true <clears throat> stories based on true stories. Lords of Chaos is about a black metal band, which I can't stand black metal, but it doesn't matter. It's it's just a really good movie. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Well, any of these, Chad, that you want to talk about, I am I'm open to it. Well, those, those all the all the movies that I that I recommended will mess you up. Nice. <clears throat> someone else, someone else had recommended Happiness to me. That was already on the list, but yeah, that's another one that I that's from two thousand nine or I'm sorry, nineteen ninety eight. I'm not sure. Is it got a cartoon on the on the poster? It looks like a yes. cartoon of people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman used to be my favorite uh, actor. He was great in um, Magnolia. Oh man, such a good movie. Magnolia's uh, Magnolia Boogie Nights are kind of tied for my favorite dramas of all time. Hmm. Those are great movies. Yeah, Yeah, I'm a big PT Anderson fan. He's brilliant, isn't he? Yeah. Tom Tom Cruise. I think that was one of his best performances. Is it was his best? Magnolia. Yeah, Yeah. I I think that's one of his best. He was. I'm not a big Cruise fan, but he was phenomenal in that. I, I didn't know he. I didn't know he had that range that he had in that movie. He he could go the places he wanted, yeah. and just his uh, yeah, yeah, it was really emotional and the way that he gets broken down yeah. through the course of that movie from being this big alpha male to mm-hmm. just being this tall, yeah. and and trying not to get there, yeah. you know, yeah. struggling with yeah. the yeah. Oh, what a great movie! Yeah, that was a great movie. I did. I did really enjoy that movie. Great soundtrack too. Yeah, PC Anderson has such a great. Uh, he's got a real ear for music that matches up perfectly with, uh, and he also does this thing where he does music that other filmmakers, um, like he'll take a scene that otherwise shouldn't be intense, um, but he makes it super intense because I think it's because he elevates the music a little bit too loud almost. So it's like you're fighting the music, trying to hear the dialogue and intensifies it. A good example is he does it in the um, in Magnolia, where John C. Riley is having dinner with that chick that's on coke, and they're sitting across from each other, and the mu- music is kind of loud. Another example is is uh, the in Boogie Nights the drug deal scene, and that yes. music is playing too loud, and they're sitting there, and it's just it's it makes things too chaotic. But that yeah. was an intense scene. But he he's done it like the the, the uh, dinner scene, which it wasn't really an intense scene. But because of that, it, it was super intense. 
Well, I think the the drug deal scene in Boogie Nights, you the music being loud. That's what you, if you were in that situation, that's what would be your focus. Is it yeah. would take over because yeah. you're so lost in the moment. Mm-hmm. So that would be the in the fourth. It would be the you would you your brain would emphasize as like a distraction for what's really going on around you, and that would be you'd kind of get lost in the moment. Yeah, yeah. He's he's great at. I I don't like his. Um, I like his first three the most. Hard Eight, uh, hmm. Boogie Nights in Magnolia. Um, and I like his other stuff, but uh, not as much. Like, uh, what was that one? There was one that I really pretty much didn't like it at all. In- Inherent Vice, I think is what it was called. Hmm. With uh, Joaquin Phoenix. He plays some kind of like washed up private eye kind of dude. Oh, because it's, that one. it's really hard to follow. Hmm. To find it. Yeah. Um, but I just saw last year. I saw uh, Lake uh, Lake Rich Pizza, and I thought that was good. Oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, he's done a few. Um, yeah, Lake Rich Pizza, Punch Punch Drunk Love. I didn't know he did Punch Drunk Love. Mm-hmm. There will be blood. I didn't know he did There will be blood either. Yeah. Oh wow. He did. Um, the one called The Master with Joaquin and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Hmm. Wow. I have a, a, a bunch of tabs open with, with movies now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have a, a ton of them. Uh, too many too many movies to watch. But yeah, any of these you want to talk about, I am uh, I'm I'm open. I'm doing those thirty two and th- thirty two videos in thirty two days. So hats off to you, brother. That's that's wow. great. That's yeah, crazy. I'm on. I'm on day six. So, I, <laughs> any, uh, any help is appreciated. Well, the, uh, have you seen Come True yet? Have you watched it yet? No, I, I'm going to this week though. Okay, um, you don't have to, but you're you're gonna wanna probably. Um, it's one of those movies where uh, it's like, man, I think maybe I need to watch that again. Or you at least got to jump on YouTube and be like, you know, WTF with, because <laughs> there's a lot that uh, there's a lot to talk about. That's why I chose that one. Nice. I'll watch it. Uh, I'll watch it tomorrow or Sunday, and then I'll watch it again on the day before we we meet up. If you want, I mean, I, I've seen it twice, um, and I actually talked to the uh, writer director on my podcast, hmm. and um, he. Uh, he answered some questions, um, but he's also very, uh, he's kind of like, not, not so much like David Lynch is where David Lynch just doesn't want to tell you anything, but he's like, he just kind of smiles. He's like, <clears throat> I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> you, have to, you have to figure it out on your own <laughs> or he'll drop a hint and just smile. And, and I'm just like, dude, what, what did that mean? the uh I, I, again i can't post comments for some reason but uh our friend uh, northwest reader uh, alpha dogs it didn't surprise me also alpha dog is another one that really disturbed me alpha that, dog. Uh, what, what is is that with the the singer guy timberlake yeah yeah where yeah, he goes so, to the, the party yeah with the kid yeah the, the kid, that. The kid, yeah that was that, that one was disturbed good. me too yeah, yeah it was good i was surprised yeah yeah 
That, yeah. was, that was another disturbing movie that I didn't expect to, to be so disturbing. Christina, yeah. Hey, Christina. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, I don't know why StreamYard's being a pain in the ass tonight. I don't know, I'm not sure what's going hmm. on with it. But yeah, I'm on day six, I think, of <laughs> 32 and 32 <laughs> days, so... That's amazing, Steve. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, man. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to do it either. I didn't think that through very well. I don't know how you wow. do it. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, any, any of these uh, you want to you talk about, I'm, I'm open. I would love to see Happiness again, but I don't know how to, I don't know where to see it. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. Uh, I can, I'll, I'll find it. I'll, I'll find it somewhere. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, I'll find it. All right. Are we yeah. talking uh, Japanese PL? Or are you? <laughs> well, some some of it, yeah. I mean, I've heard tertiary some of this. Stuff, What's that? But a lot of it, and I've never, I've never watched, never heard of. Not ever. I mean, stuff like Magnolia. Yeah, I love Magnolia, and, and like that's 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 more mainstream stuff. But yeah, I, I'm not, and I haven't watched. I used to be a movie addict, but I I really don't watch movies. I don't have time. I would. I, I get to Netflix once a moon and I, I watch. I'll, I'll watch like a series. Like I'll watch The Witcher, or, you know, you know, House of the Dragon or something like way after. But I, I yeah, I, I don't get to. I don't get to the movie theater anymore. I used to love going to movies, but yeah. So, it looks like um, it. It is happiness is on Amazon in certain locations. But it looks like it's may not be. Let's see. I gotta watch your movie channel. I was to need to catch up on your movie channel more, Steve. So I, I really, uh, I know you probably have a great, a lot of great films there, great recommendations I, for films. There. I watched Skin It, Skin and Mark today, or that new movie. For oh Shutter yeah, today. yeah. I gotta watch that for uh, Final Guys podcast. Uh. That was kind of rough. Rough as in it's not you didn't like it. It was I, I I always appreciate when someone does something differently and they they tr- like take a chance they have a vision and they do something and I I really admire that. It just didn't work for me. I think it may work for some people, but it just wasn't it wasn't for me. Right. Yeah. So I I think if if it's uh, yeah it it was, yeah it was it was something different, but just didn't work for me. Have you have you guys seen uh, Love Liza with Philip Seymour Hoffman? No, oh, I've heard it. I've heard that it's really supposed to be really good. I have I have definitely heard of that. I haven't. Seen yeah, that is that that was a big inspiration for the novella I wrote in the Dark Tides uh, book one for um, Crystal Lake's uh, Dark Tide series. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote the, my book in there is called The Strangest Twist Upon Her Lips, and it's. Uh, um, it kind of has uh, the same concept and that's where I drew inspiration from, from that. I love the idea of it, but I just, I went in a completely different direction with it. That's a hmm. great movie. If you like Philip Seymour or if you like indie dramas. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have uh, about 10 movies. On my, on what my about, are, are you into, um, do you like uh, Mark Duplass, the Duplass brothers films at all? Sure. Yeah. It's like a, uh, Oh man, what? Well, he did. They did Creep, but that's which is yeah. cool. But um, and I like that Creep one and two. But he did. 
he did a lot of dramas that I really, really like. He watched or he did one called uh, um, Paddington or Paddleton. Have you seen that? Oh, no. It's the no. most depressing movie you'll ever see in your life. Perfect. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm not kidding, man. I I ugly cried on that one. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. It was freaking rough. Perfect. Let's see. Uh, let's see if we can find it. Who? Uh, Duplass? Yeah. And Ray oh. Romano, who is amazing in it, surprisingly. I mean, he's not a horrible actor. It's just that he just seems like a one-trick pony. You know, he's got that voice. It's just he's he's like Droopy the dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's another one on the list. Yeah, it looks great. Um, I don't have to, that, there's some serious wrecks coming through here that I'm gonna have to. Add. I apologize, awesome. guys. I do have to run off. I got to. Uh, yeah, she probably my go wife. To. My wife uh, had surgery, so I'm kind of mm. semi taking care of her. So, uh, but yeah, she's uh, she'll be, she's been fine. And I have to get my ferrets out. I was supposed to get them out two and a half hours ago. Oh. <laughs> my wife was gone, so she couldn't do it. <clears throat> yeah. But this has been yeah, awesome, though. Tell. Man, Chad, amazing to meet you, brother. That's, yeah, you too, awesome. man. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah, so, yeah, it's been fantastic. Steve, as always, it's it's you know one of the highlights of my my day if I know I'm going to get to talk to you. So. Yeah, it's always great to hang out with everybody. But thanks everyone for hanging out with us and. Being in the you. chat and adding to the conversation is always a great time. Be sure and check out PL and Chad's work and Laurel's work. And we'll see you all soon. Take care, guys. All the see best. You. Bye-bye now.